Hello, hello. I would like to thank you all for coming by and joining me on another uh, Merged Worlds Sunday evening, uh, which is my favorite project that I get to work on with this channel. Um, so I thank you for coming and hanging out with me today and letting me do this. Um, if you're new and you've not been here before, um, I have been writing and running the same Dungeons & Dragons campaign uh, for over 30 years across several different groups, states, and countries. Um, and this is a chance for me to come on and share that story with you guys. Um, I have been sharing it now. Uh, we're almost at a year. This episode 25. Each episode is normally between two to three hours. So uh, there's 50 to 60 plus hours of this story already available um, on of course, YouTube, where you're seeing it now, uh, but it's also available as a free audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify. So if you'd like to go back and listen to any of the older episodes, catch up, definitely you can hear them there as well. Um, if you do that, it would be awesome if you would mind uh, giving it a follow on the podcast setting of your choice, iTunes or Spotify. Click it a like, throw it a, a review in there uh, of any type happy to have it. That type of stuff does help out. So thank you very much. So um, we are going to continue from where, of course, we left off last week. I'll do just a brief recap of what was going on. Um, I'm very excited about tonight um, because we're totally going to get to what I think is one of the most iconic moments in the whole story. It's what literally changes everything. Um, and if we go long enough, we may get to a point that's, surprisingly enough, actually kind of Halloween-themed. Um, when I've run this campaign for friends and such, uh, around holidays, I always try to do something a little holiday-themed in there. Obviously, there's no Christmas and Halloween on here, but something spooky. Um, and reading through the notes, I realized we are about to walk right into one of those, so we may get to do that today. Uh, Skullsdale, I want to get some water, but my cat is on my lap, so I can't move. First world problems. I understand. I had a problem earlier because there was a cat, two cats, one sleeping on each foot. And I'm like, if I stand up, there's going to be an issue. Hey, Jim. What up, man? Let's see who else we got here. Uh, Michael's, Michael's here. Uh, Beast. Mystique. Hello, Teresa. Xbox. Colomos. Uh, Nick. Hey, Nick. Our newest member. Awesome. So uh, I pre I'm just here learning how to chat on my TV. Well, anything we can do to help with your TV, <laughs> we will do. All right. So, um, where we left off last time, um, it had been well over you know, a year, almost a year and a half, since our four companions had kind of split up and gone their own ways to start their new lives. Uh, Darsh was the captain of his ship. He's been developing the islands uh, that, he was, that he had discovered uh, as part of the adventure, uh, that is now his land, uh, building a merchant business. Uh, he has some trade agreements with both the Minotaur Kingdom and several of the human kingdoms. Uh, so he is building a business there, getting, doing pretty well for himself. Um, Dandy and her boyfriend, Michael, um, are basically professional undead hunters now. Uh, their ship is like-minded crew, and they go around searching for in-dead pro uh, undead problems and infestations and take care of them. Um, now, Mercy and Artemis live very close to each other. Uh, they went up to where Artemis had inherited the temple. Mary, uh, sorry, Mercy had claimed the land next to that, and she started building her own fort slash kingdom, um, and they've named that area Serenity. Um, and so Artemis 
uh, her land is the temple, but around that is basically the kingdom of serenity, and that's what mercy is. And it's a, a kingdom that's building up. There are now businesses there. There's hundreds, if not maybe a thousand workers and um, craftsmen that are coming here that mercy is paying to build the buildings, the keep itself, the defenses, docks, because there's a there's on a, a shore of a lake. Um, and of course, whenever people show up like that, People come from miles around to start businesses, food, leatherworking, cobbling, whatever. So a lot of the local villages are sending people there to, uh, or, or some have even moved there and are renting or leasing land from Mercy, uh, paying tax and such, and, and the kingdom of serenity is starting to build. And I want to stress that because it, it is literally the beginnings of a kingdom with Mercy being basically the queen. Um, she doesn't go by that title. Uh, she doesn't try to claim the lands uh, of the villages south of her. It's just that area around the lake. Um, but over time, some of that could become part of Serenity, based on life events. Uh, Artemis is there as well, chilling in, in her temple, building a massive temple over top of the hidden waters of healing uh, underground there. Um, and she has many, multiple clerics and Templars that are living there now as well. Um, and that's really what's helped advocate the kingdom concept of serenity to the surrounding towns who've been very oppressed for generations because this is a good temple and everybody wants some high-powered uh, healers around, uh, you know, when problems happen. So there's that. Um, they, in the city of Paxawal, where many of their adventures started off began back in the day, um, the, again, there was a temple there and there were several, the head templars, which was Brother Bart, Brother Lycos, and Sister Mara, um, have been allies in helping our heroes through their adventures. Um, and Mercy and Artemis were having a little snack lunch by the river, were attacked by two elites, is what they're called. They're uh, warriors that are deftly uh, trained. They always come in pairs. They don't say anything, um, but they're very, very good at what they do. And they serve the kingdom of Oramon, which is far, far to the west. And that's really the only thing they know about Oramon, other than... Ormon was coming here back in the past and enslaving and killing people. Mercy, Artemis, Darsh, and Dandy put an end to that. Um, so you can understand there's probably some animosity there. Um, soon after that, they learned that there was uh, that two of those uh, high priests back in Paxiwal, uh, uh, Sister Mara and Brother Bart, uh, had been poisoned in some way and no one could heal her. And the temple was calling all high-powered clerics in back to try to figure out if there's a way to heal them. Artemis is on that list, so her and Mercy went back. They contacted Darsh and Dandy, um, and they found that the only way they can heal it, potentially, is this special rare herb called the Sovereign's Breath, which only grows on the graves of uh, elven kings. So they went into the elven kingdom, which doesn't like anybody, to try to see if they could get that. Um, of course, they were stopped by elves and ships and said, hey, you can't come into our waters. It's then that Darsh found out that his head lookout and one of his loyal crew members for years was actually the missing Prince Nathalian. Um, and upon him, people thought he was dead. The kingdom overjoyed. Of course, that gave them in. Um, and at first, the elves did not want to give him the Sovereign's Breath, but Nathalian has, due to lineage, claimed to it. Uh, so he said he wants to give it to them, but it was in a graveyard uh, that had been overtaken by evil. And the elves had been unable to deal with it. Uh, so the deal was made that if the heroes go in there, they can wipe it out, they get to the Sovereign's Breast, they can have it. They were doing that, and the whole thing was an adventure based on were-creatures. There were were-crocodiles, were-bats, were-rats, were-wolves, uh, until they got to the very boss, uh, who was a were-lord, uh, and it ended up being the eldest Prince Tastadil, Nathalian's older brother, um, 
who actually was the Were Lord and had even killed their mother to cause strife between the humans and the elves. Uh, fighting them and defeating them is what they did. Now, the one thing uh, I made a mistake on, and I want to apologize because this is me making a boo boo. I get that. Um, sometimes when I'm going back to the stories, I'm going through the notes. Some of this is from 10 years ago, um, and I may miss or make a mistake there. So I do need to correct one part of that story that I did not say last time, and that is. Once they arrived at the graveyard, it turns out that someone else from the kingdom had come along as well and joined them. And I completely blanked on this. Um, but that was the youngest son, uh, Pontius. Uh, Pontius, who has a big uh, panther-looking pet. Um, he's like a bit of a ranger himself. He was there helping them. I, this was totally on me. I forgot that he, sh he showed up at the last minute. Um, and the reason for that is... The reason I had him in the story um, is because I mean, they just killed the crown prince. And even though Nathalian is another prince, his word against theirs with all these un-elves hanging out here, um, that could be, uh, uh, you know, construed as, well, how do we know, you know, he wasn't evil and they just, having Pontius there, both princes witnessing that, they can attest to, yes, it was our brother and we, he even admitted he killed our mother in order to cause problems and all the fights we've had with humans has all been his. He's been trying to cause strife as he builds his own wear army to eventually convert all of the elves and take over the world because everybody wants to take over the world, right? Uh, let's see here. Ethan says, this is my first time with this type of stream and it sounds really cool. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Ethan. Hopefully you, you enjoy the story. Said so this is episode 25, so there's 24 long episodes back there if you'd like to catch up on it in the future. Uh, again, that's both here on the channel, the videos you can watch, and it is available audio on iTunes and Spotify. Um, but they were able to defeat him. They were able to get the Sovereign's breath. Mercy was injured and un unconscious and couldn't do anything, but Artemis used her magic ring of central teleportation to port back to Paxawal and rush the breath, the, the plant, because it, it has a very small window of being used, a very magical plant, and they had to get it to use it. And as she was running through the streets of Paxawal late at night trying to get it there, something was chasing her, and she heard several footsteps. And the thought, her thought is, was it elites? Was it what? But it was a pair of footsteps that were chasing her, but she managed to make it to um, the holy ground of the temple. Once inside, the to there, the Templars that were guarding it, of course, started looking to see what was chasing her, while she rushed inside to uh, Brother Lycos, the only current non-poisoned head priest, um, to try to cure him. And they, they, they mixed it with water the way they were told, they poured it into their mouths, and then they just had to sit back and watch. And that's where we left off, kind of at that point. So Artemis, our elven cleric of healing, is the only one currently in Paxawal. They've given the healing plant to the clerics. They're just waiting to see if it works or not. Did it? We'll find out eventually. Uh, we're not going to go there. We're going to port back over here, and we're going to talk about Santriel, which is the elven kingdom, um, and continue with the rest of the characters after they see Artemis go. So, uh, again, part of this is me just telling you the story. Part of it is me reading you snippets. I have all the notes, binders worth of stuff for 30 years. Uh, and so I'll be reading to you some of the exact same things I read to the characters as we go along. And in between, it's just me telling the story of what happened. So uh, this was a part that was wrote specifically. So I'm going to share it with you the same way the characters heard it back when we were playing. So, as Artemis fades from view, the rest of you are left alone, the rest of the characters. Pontius wraps Nathalian's hand, and the two stand alone over the corpse of their brother. Um, at this point, uh, they determine, okay, well, we've got to get back now. We're here in this. We can't just leave our brother's body here. Uh, one of the first things they do um, is with the, uh, 
assistance of the heroes is they have to take the coffin that was their mother's that they had dragged in here, the bad guys had, uh, back to its place. Um, it's there as a group, they could probably do it. Darsh is strong enough. Um, but the concern is that it could get broken or damaged if they try. So after a few couple things, they figure, okay, we're going to leave it here. We're going to have to get the Elven King and let him know what's going on so they can come back here and fix this stuff. And so they, uh, go ahead and they climb back out. There's another exit here on this end that, um, Tastadil used to get in and out. And so they're able to leave. They do take the body of Tastadil with them. Um, Artemis did leave them with the Chest of Holding, uh, for which, if you're not new here, Chest of Holding is a little box like this. looks like a chest, like a pirate's chest. When you set on the ground, you use a magical code word. It expands to the size of a regular chest, but when you open that up, you can climb down a ladder, and inside is a large room with shelves and hooks and stuff with tons of supplies. It's a magical interdimensional space. You can take the chest and shake it. Nothing inside moves. It's basically a doorway to a pocket outside of time and space. It's its own little thing. Um, and that helps because they're able to use what some cloth, because they keep stuff down there, important stuff, torches and rope, things that they don't have to worry about carrying all the time. Um, those supplies, a barrel of pickled fish, always have a barrel of pickled fish. You never know when that's going to come in handy. Um, they're able to use cloth and such they have in there to wrap up Tastadil's body, which of course went back to his elven status after the, his werelord thing ended. Um, and they put him down in there because they don't want to go spending two or three days hoofing it back to the kingdom carrying a body of a prince, clearly. So they put it down in there and um, they begin their trek back home on foot because they didn't have anything. There, con there was concern that there would be werewolves because there was a whole bunch of them chasing them. Uh, they're outside of the graveyard now. They're actually um, east of it and they're having to go back around the north to go west of it back towards the direction they're looking to go. Um, uh, real quick, Xbox says, how do I get vine goo? In Raft, you have to go underwater and grab uh, seaweed, and then you cook it in the furnace thing, and that turns it to vine goo. Okay? Um, so, they're doing that, and they hear some howls off in the distance, um, but there's no large group of undead chasing him at this point. And that's because, without Tastadil there, the power he had of basically controlling and commanding other were-creatures fades very quickly. Um, so, were-creatures, many of them being intelligent, um, are going to, you know, now that that magical geese that's pulling them is gone, they can start to break up, or why am I hanging out with you guys? Who are you? Kind of thing. Um, and so that's, that's what starts down. Plus, it's getting near the end of the evening. As it comes back to daytime, some wear creatures can only be wear at night. Some can be wear whenever they want. They can control it. And some are like the old-fashioned to get changed when the moon pops out kind of thing. Um, what is that background photo Skull is asking? Okay, uh, give me one second here and we'll show you. So this is just a, this is a picture I found online that I really liked. I uh, wanted to look kind of like an old library. So let me do this. So that's, uh, that's a, a picture. I, I change it occasionally from a library to a room, but I, this felt like a very storyteller where I would sit at my desk and share my tale kind of a picture. So uh, that's the one I have background right now. I do change it usually every few months to a different kind of thing. I've got a bunch of them that I use, uh, but that's the current one. Uh, just again, something I found online that I really like. Okay. Um, so they do that. They make their way back. They're all on foot. They don't have carriages like they did getting there because uh, the carriages went home. Um, and they have to go by feet. It takes them several days to get there. They do eventually get to a village where they get some assistance, some, you know, they don't have really horses here. They use these big elk looking things, much larger than normal. It's what pulls their stuff. And because 
two of the princes are here, the people are like, oh my god, princes, they provide them anything they need, supplies, so on and so forth. But as they travel and they get back, you know, they try to avoid those. They don't want a lot of fanfare. They go through one or two small towns just to get some supplies they need, but they try to not get a big fanfare. And Nathalian uh, is, is very careful to time their trip so that they make it to Everlong, which is the, the capital city of Santrail, uh, late in the evening. Okay, they want to get there at night, so there's not a lot of fanfare. They don't have to explain things. All the princes have been missing for several days. All, everybody knew Nathaniel went with them, but Pontius and Tassadil are both gone, and there's, they're going to have to explain what happened. They don't need a large group of people there. Um, so as uh, any guard that they come across immediately allows passage as soon as they realize it's the princes, um, and they're then rushed inside. Uh, with the help of several guards, uh, Tassadil's body is removed from the chest of holding, and taken and kind of hidden a bit away so that all court doesn't see it while they summon down the, uh, the king of, uh, of the Elven Kingdom. Um, now at this point, the, the princes are like, we're going to have to tell this story. He's going to be crushed. He might be angry. We think we should be just the two of them, that, us that tell him that story. We're going to have you go to the same rooms they had you stay in. We don't know what his reaction is going to be. In fury, he may want to kill you, and he may be just crushed and have a heart attack. He's an old elf. We don't know what's going to happen. So we think it's best that us as his sons tell him what happened, because he's not going to say that we're both lying, obviously. you know. So everybody else, Darsh, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And some of the guards escort them to the rooms <clears throat> and then stand outside to protect them, keep them prisoner, and <laughs> you know, like normal. Uh, and they kind of just hang out inside. And they rest, because if they got there late at night, they rest until the next day. They don't really hear anything. Uh, but the next day, uh, they are woken up um, and have been summoned to the dining area of where they had meals with the king previous. It's a, a large room, but still the, the dining room for the, for the uh, royal family. You know, for big events, there's giant rooms of celebration and dance halls and stuff. But this is where they normally eat, our dining room, it looks like a small palace to the average person, but for elves, you know. Um, they arrive uh, to find both, of course, the king and then both of the princes there, one seated on each side. Um, and they're asked to sit in front of them. And the sovereign, you could see, he just looks ragged because he doesn't go by the name king. He's the sovereign. Um, he, his, he's just looked, you could tell he hasn't had any sleep. He's been crying. You know, he's lost his son. Not only that, he was told not only did he lose his son, but that son was responsible for the murder of his wife 20 years earlier that caused strife between him and his other sons and that all the blaming he's been doing on humans and there's been death caused by that, war and fighting, all of that was based on his own son's uh, treachery. Um, so that's a lot to take in in one night, I understand. Um, so when they arrive, it's the sovereign that speaks first. Uh, he does say to them, thank you very much for helping my sons, and he kind of chokes on a little bit, return home, and thank you for ridding our holy graveyard and the resting place of my wife uh, from the, and again he chokes, forces that were, um, had taken it over. As I've spoken with my sons, they've told me everything that's happened, um, and you know, I'm gonna be honest, I'm, I'm completely crushed. I, I am torn to learn of this betrayal um, and everything else that's going on, that went on there. Uh, the death, the strife, uh, the anger at the humans, completely misplaced, usually. So humans. Um, 
you've done so much for us already, but there is one more thing I would like to ask of you. Mercy, okay, well, what can we do? Yeah, of course, what, what can we do to help you? We understand this is a serious issue you're going through, a horrible sense of loss. Um, we're happy to help you in any way that it can. And he said, and the sovereign says, I would ask you to lie. This is not something, as an elf, we don't, you know, we don't, we're not lying people. Uh, it's not something I ask lightly. Um, and I would understand if you would refuse. But what my son did and what it, what it caused, the effects of that, what he had become, I would like to keep that hidden. I would like to instead say that my three sons went with you to help take back this land and that my uh, eldest son, Tassadil, died in that battle to reclaim our homeland and to save his brothers. Uh, it will be something that will bring our community together instead of worrying more about fracturing it. Some people may not believe this. Tassadil was very popular with a large group. You know, if, if it's like, oh no, he was a betrayer, that could cause some type of issue. Maybe then I have to worry about, oh, maybe the prince is assassinated. There's a lot of talk that could happen. Whereas if he died heroically saving my sons and you, helping them on your quest, um, that is something that I feel would be much more beneficial um, and would enable me to, and he's, he kind of thinks there's a wording choking on it, reach out to the humans. Before he, says, before he says anything, I'm not saying I'm looking to ally. I'm not saying I'm looking to open trade with them. But we have been very harsh in our dealings and we've been very, goes, uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for, um, militant in our response to their requests. I would like to at least bring that to a sense of peace. He goes, well, I understand they're not the ones that murdered my wife now. Uh, there's still a lot of anger inside of me that's going to be hard for me to just let go. But I would like to end hostilities. Um, and I'd like to reach out uh, to the king of Arduel, King Christopher, who's a friend of our heroes. Um, to at least bring some form of peace to our borders. Uh, because I think that's time, um, and I think enough anger and combat and death has been brought by uh, a false narrative. The heroes have no problem with that. Our heroes like, of course, yeah, I've, I've got no worries about that at all. That'd be perfectly fine. We understand how important that is. Um, as leaders of, in communities of ourselves, bringing people together instead of splitting them, 100%. We are happy to do that. And you can tell that once they tell this, the Sovereign is very much like, whew, okay. Whew, thank you. Good. Because he was worried. You know, these are humans and minotaurs and kender. Um, you know, how do I know? You know, he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of experience with them recently. Um, so they agree to keep that um, and the, that story. And they say, okay, cool. Um, he goes, the burial of my son will be in two days. The official funeral. And then later that day will be the um, basically crowning of Pontius, who's the second child, the one with the panther, who's, who's sitting there, um, as the new crown prince um, and heir to. Um, part of our tradition is that a new one cannot be named until the other one is laid to rest. Um, so we will be doing both of that those days. As your part in this, um, I feel it's important as a step towards bringing peace throughout the area to highlight that you were part of this. You helped 
my sons do this. That while I understand it was your mission, we make it more about that. I would like to, you know, bring you in and, and have you accepted. Will you please stay for the for the funeral and, and the uh, coronation? It, it would definitely be something we'd appreciate. And again, they're like, yeah, sure. In the back of their head, they're like, well, we really want to get to Paxiwal and find out whether or not all of this worked. And Mercy was even considering potentially teleporting back to Paxiwal with her ring now that she's healed up and conscious. But they're like, okay, we can understand how that important that is. And the one person in our party, the elven cleric that would be liked the most is gone. The rest of us need to be here. So they agree to stay for that, stay for that day's um, events and then celebration. And then they will leave the next day. Sovereign and Princess are like, thank you very much. We really appreciate that. That's awesome. So, um, the, the next couple of days, of course, is preparing for that. Because it's a huge celebration and a huge morning as well. Uh, not like daytime morning. M-O-U. Morning of death. Um, and hello, studio. G'day, g'day. Um, so they have a little bit more freedom to move around. And they talk to the Prince and stuff. Dandy gets a chance to, uh, to pet the kitty. That was very important to her. Got to pet the giant panther. Some of you may remember she was trying to do all the other time. Um, and during that two days, uh, there is a time where Darsh is taken aside by the sovereign himself. Um, he wants to speak to him alone. Um, and he says to Darsh, he goes, I've been doing my best to convince my son, but um, it is important to Nathaniel that he wishes to leave with you and remain a part of the crew. There's a noise. Hey! Studio 13 UK, thank you very much for joining our membership program. That is awesome. Wow, that's like five in a week. <laughs> thank you very, very much for that. We really appreciate you joining up being a part of that. I think that may be the first ever membership that signed up during Emerged Worlds. Maybe not, but I'm thinking it is. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Now, if you're not a member of our Discord channel yet, um, if you go to my website, onlydraven.com, there's a link near the top of the homepage that'll take you in there. Um, sign in there. And if you're already in there and you're under a different name, uh, just shoot me a message and I will have you bumped up to membership status on the Discord as soon as this stream ends for you. And we'll get you all set up there so you have all access to that as well. But thank you so much for joining up and part of the membership program. It, opens up, it puts us one step closer to getting our... Um, second uh, Minecraft server for the for the members. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, Mystique thinks the same thing. Yeah, I think it's the very first membership we've ever had happen during Merge Worlds. <laughs> so that's cool. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. Kick ass. All right. Um, so he says, says to Darcy, he goes, Nathalian wishes to return as part of your crew. He, he enjoys living out among people. I've done everything I can to try to convince him to stay. I've already lost one son. I don't want to lose another. So I'm going to grant him that request. But I don't want to lose him or lose contact with him. So as such, I'm going to provide you a... What's the term I use? Give me a second here. Ah, writ, uh, a writ of notice. This is basically a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, with this notice... It gives you the freedom to travel through elven waters. Now, this is big. Nobody else has had any permission to do that since the merged world was created. The elves don't let anybody in their waters. So, for them to say, Darsh, the first person to do that, he also says, 
and to give you reason to come back and visit more often, I believe that there may be some goods of services that we have that may be desired by the outside world. Um, I am open to having some of my merchants and such and people uh, speak to you about possibly working out some type of business arrangement. So not only is Darsh going to get access to Elven Waters, he's going to be the first, right now, only person with access to Elven goods that he can buy and sell at a hell of profit. Darsh is like, yes, please. Because his islands are actually closer to Elven uh, Waters than it is to any of the human ones he spends all of his time in. So being able to provide something as simple as Elven sinks, uh, not sinks, silks, wine, of course, um, you know, that kind of jewelry, all of that kind of stuff. Being able to provide that to the gonna make money hand over fist. And Darsh is like, if this bringing Nathalian for a visit opens this door, I am all about that. Um, and I will say that this right here opens a door for Darsh to really grow into kind of his new new role. Uh, let's see here. So how do you remember me? Uh, you know, I'm feeling good today. Well, I'm glad you're feeling good today. I remember the name. Yes, I believe. So how XX? Yeah, we don't get a lot of the XXs anymore. Gus has one like that. Cheese boy. <laughs> thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. Uh, and thank you everybody who's watching to let me tell the story. I appreciate it. If you are enjoying yourself, please remember to click that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel for more streams and videos and fun stuff. All right. He also advises Darsh that he's going to send a, well, he said, a delegation to Arduel um, to try to at least put some type of agreement together, which could be agreement of, hey, we won't kill you if you come close to the woods, just don't come in the woods. He's going to work out something, maybe not a hardcore treaty, but some type of an agreement that's going to roll through there, so that way the animosity and the combat that uh, has been had, because they're like brink of war kind of thing there, um, definitely makes a, a huge, huge difference to do that. Uh, let me see here. The other way as well, selling to, selling to the oven as well, can bring in human goods. What? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Sohel, for joining up. That's two members in one stream. And it's a Merge World stream. That is awesome. Thank you so very much for joining up to the membership program. Um, thank you. Uh, if uh, Again, uh, same as I said before, if you're not in the Discord yet, please go to OnlyDraven.com. Click that button. It'll let you in. It'll let anybody in. If you're watching, you're not a member. You, we also want you in Discord. Please come on in there. Uh, and once you're in there, if your name on Discord is different than your one here, uh, just shoot me a message. Oh, Artie, yeah. Shoot me a message, and I, as soon as the stream is over, I'll hop over there and get you guys bumped up on that as well. So thank you so much for doing that. That is phenomenal. That puts us at 54. We are 21 away from our goal of 75, which opens up a whole new server, a uh, Minecraft server. Uh, for the members community. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, just as another aside, we're only nine subscribers away from hitting 9,000. Uh, so we'll very likely hit that today or tomorrow uh, and be less than a thousand away from 10K, which was my goal for the year. So this is all coming together nicely. Yes, maybe a little speechless there. <laughs> Thank you very much, both of you, for joining up today. Awesome. Uh, okay, so... Uh, yeah, Darsh is open to that, um, and everything uh, seems to be very... Everything's coming up Darsh in that end there, because uh, now he's got a lot of hookups. Buy and sell elven goods, maybe bring in human dwarven minotaur goods as well. How many shots do I owe? That's a very good question. Um, let me see. I owe, shot-wise, 
Um, 18 shots from donations, and uh, it was eight members, so it's another eight. 26 shots. Clearly, I'm not going to do that all at one time. Um, but yes, I owe a lot of shots. I've been keeping track of it. I have been keeping track of it. Um, and hopefully after the surgery tomorrow, I'll be back to being able to take some shots again. So, thumbs up for that. I'll start working these off. I owe you guys a lot of drinks. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, we're in that. Now, those two days go by and we get to the day of celebration. Uh, Tassilo's funeral and Pontius's coronation to crown prince were held the same day. Alvin Law requires public acknowledgement of death before a new crown prince or sovereign may be crowned. Uh, so there's technically a little tiny space in there where there's no official leader. Um, and in history's past, ages upon ages ago, that was sometimes an issue where a brother or sister somebody step in and try to take over. No issue like that today. Because Nathalian wants to go live out in the world. Does not want to stay here. So he's happy with his older brother taking it. Uh, even though his older brother never wanted it. Uh, the funeral was a beautiful ceremony. Uh, tens of thousands of elves arrived from all over San Trial, because it's a big space. And uh, already the heroic journey of Prince... Oh, hey, thank you very much for the donation. I appreciate that as well. Thank you for that super chat. Uh, <laughs> uh, keep track and spread them out during the 24-hour. I'm going to try, but there are so many things during the 24-hour charity stream that's already going to make me drink. I'm worried about, I'm already going to have a ton there. <laughs> but I will try to work some in. You're good, Turtle. I actually got two new members during this stream already today. That is kick-ass. All right. Um, keep losing my spot because I'm so excited. Um, uh, okay. The already the heroic journey of Prince Tastadil to take back the graveyard and help his brother's allies had spread throughout the kingdom. Uh, it was well known now that he had fought by, si uh, fought by your side, uh, the characters, uh, against some type of evil beast, giving his own life uh, in, in the end in order to help uh, his brothers and the brothers' allies uh, succeed on their mission to take back this elven holy land. Um, you f the characters feared the elves would hate you. This I, I read it to you the same way I read it to them. Uh, you feared the elves would hate you, but instead you are treated as allies of the elven nation. You are thanked repeatedly for your assistance in taking back this and in your, in your part of this adventure. Um, and more importantly, they're also thanking them for bringing back the other two prints. Because think about it, they just lost Tassadil, but they thought Nathalian was dead. So now they've got that to rejoice. We have a prince back. It's sad we lost Tassadil, but even though he's going to leave, you know, this is coming. Because not all elves were against the humans as much, you know. They, but they do what they're told, you know, as any kingdom does. So bringing calmness to that is uh, an okay thing. Well, thank you, Sohal. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so uh, later that day, um, the sovereign officially proclaims um, Pontius the heir to the kingdom, and the elves begin a massive celebration. Um, because they're celebrating the life Tastadil lived, what they know of it, and um, the, the new uh, crowning. Uh, so let's see. Uh, basically, PC, our characters party throughout the night. Um, they, everybody tries to keep a hand on Dandy, but Dandy's telling stories with Michael of how they fought undead and such, and uh, all those type of things. And, of course, our heroes are always a little worried that Dandy might let the wrong thing slip, but Dandy's actually very intelligent. She's a motor mouth. But she knows when not to say something of importance or when to say it. So uh, she does not. So it goes very, very well. Party late into the evening, celebrate. They get sleep, wake up the next morning. It's time for them to leave. 
Again, the Sovereign's very sad that Nathalian is leaving, but at least he feels good that he knows he's out there with people who genuinely care for him and clearly have got the chops to help protect him. And that's another thing. Darsh and his heroes have impressed the Sovereign, especially when he comes back like there were werebats and were-rats and werewolves. We killed this one, this one, this one. I mean, that's a lot of things. They're like, wow, that, they've been taking elven lives. You've saved my, two of my sons. You've saved possibly my kingdom. Um, and you have the strength and the courage to do that. So uh, Darsh and friends uh, have really won him over. And while Mercy very often is the forward of the two, because again, remember, there are two people playing this adventure. Darsh and um, Artemis are played by the same young lady, and then Dandy and Mercy is played by another lady. So very often, Artemis and Mercy are their primary characters. Those are the ones that end up doing the most official speaking for the group. But this was a situation where because Nathalian was with Darsh, Darsh is the big speaker. And so I try to make sure that every character gets their time to shine. I want them to have growth. I want it to be important that they're there, a reason that they're there. And I want to build upon that so it gives me more opportunity to use them in exciting ways in the future. Um, so this was a very Darsh-centric area. Even though everybody was there, Darsh did a lot of the speaking, whereas normally it would have been Mercy or Artemis. Um, so, um, they, remember, it took a couple days to get back to the boat. They, they take their rides, they get to the ships, getting waved at, of course, by all the villages they go by. They still got a prince in there, and their heroes. Um, and they finally return to the ship. Now, Doram, which is, of course, Darsh's first mate, very relieved to see everybody showing up in a good mood. You know, like, you know, he's coming to kill them, because they're, they're on the boat not knowing what's going on, right? Something bad could have happened. Are they alive? Are they dead? Nobody knows. But Doram is visibly, easily, <sighs> so much better when he sees Darsh walk up. Um, they kind of explain everything that's going on to Doram. Um, they get permission. They get the ship out of, out of there as quickly as they can. Because they need to get back to Paxiwal, A, to make sure Artemis made it back okay, and whether or not the Sovereign's breath even worked. Because if it didn't, they've got problems, right? they got trouble. So they may have to find a whole other thing. This was what they thought was the cure. Still might not work. So, they know that Dandy's ship, the Miss Dandy line, is also in, in, uh, in Arduel, so they decide to swing, or sorry, in Paxwell, but they decide to swing through Arduel really quick to give Christopher a message, hey, on behalf of the Sovereign, Sovereign said yes, the Sovereign's going to be reaching out to you, we've talked to him, we have some dealings, so on and so forth. And Darcy even says, should you need someone to mediate or be in the middle, I offer you my services as I'm welcome there. And I'm a friend of you. You know, I'm, you know I've got your back too, King Christopher. I'm ha if you need someone to be a go-between, me and my business my, are happy to be that go-between. Because Arduel is the closest city to Santrial. So uh, there's a lot there. Um, and they get some stuff and they pick up some more supplies. You know, And then uh, while they're there, they learn a little bit of information uh, about what's been going on while they were in there for almost a month. You'll remember that before they went in, there was talk of a major arm, uh, 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 army going to the west of Thorman, which is the furthest western uh, kingdom in the southern kingdoms, the group of kingdoms we deal with, uh, which eventually the hope is to bring serenity into that as well. Um, and that potential war over there is still very likely going to happen. Um, and remember that the king had been assassinated. Oh, you got to go? Okay, well, thank you very much for stopping by. So, and again, thank you so much for both joining the membership and the donation. It really does mean a lot to me. Uh, and I'm excited to get to hang out with you more uh, in the Discord and, and everywhere else. So thank you very much for coming by and doing all that. It really means a lot to me. Um, 
But they also hear, because remember, the King of Thorman had been assassinated. There seemed to be some civil war issues, potentially, between the stepmother and the actual daughter of who was going to take over. That was rumors they learned about. They learned that um, there was, uh, the, again, army on their west, which is another thing. An army marching into Thorman while they're in the middle of their own civil war. Not good for the southern kingdoms. And then there's been an increase in animosity in Cronear, the Minotaur kingdom. The Blackhorn that had gone quiet, which is the... the the, the bad guys, if you will. It's a, a group of assassins and such that are trying to destroy um, the alliance between Minotaurs and humans. Um, they've been more active and they're causing problems as well in um, uh, 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 just in general in Kronayar. So that's getting to a point of potential civil war. Uh, but they've been extra, extra active. There's been a lot of vandalism of statues. Oh, damn. Studio. Oh, hell, thank you so much. My goodness. Oh, wow. I, w I will get that added to the, <laughs> to the goal. It, it doesn't auto-add it here, so that's why you're not seeing it in the bottom. But I will get that. Again, thank you so much. That is humongous. I appreciate that. Uh, donations and tips always help. Uh, I do my best to put them back into the channel. New games, new software, new equipment. So um, I thank you very much for that. Yeah, and, and, and we're, the goal we're working on, I'm, I'm going to have something for us by the time I come back from my surgery. Because I've got some ideas that I thought of today. I'm just weighing a couple of them. I have to look into some things. But I think I may have a cool goal. Uh, it may The goal may end up being more than 100. But it may be something really cool for the channel. And that is huge and is going to go towards that. So thank you so much for all of that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Thanks for this guy, Dr. Ford. You are very welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, I love how you uh, end up looking around in surprise every time. Well, you know, there's different noises and notifications. And there's a delay uh, of it popping up on the stream. It actually pops up on the YouTube first. So I've got two monitors here. And I'm like, okay, which one went off? Which sound meant what? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, let's see. Elbow Dad. Wow, I was lurking. That scared the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because I get noise. And I'm like, oh, wait, which one was that one again? <laughs> I was actually working on setting up the Extra Life stuff as well. That's got its own sound clips for Extra Life donations. So I'm, we're only... Extra Life is two weeks from yesterday. we got 13 days until the 24-hour stream. That's getting close as well. I am going to hook up a bunch of those shots on the Halloween stream, which is a long stream. I'm hoping to do a bunch of catch-up on that one. So, all right. Um, okay, so... We did that. Vandalism of statues and things and set. Um, so they then leave Arduel, booking it as quickly as they can to get back to Paxwell. And the voyage to Paxwell is uneventful. Okay, They make really good time um, to do that, to get bumping. Um, talking, oh, what's it? Parkinson's surgery, 6th of November. Oh, well, I wish you the very best. I'm having my third kidney stone surgery in the morning, potentially a fourth one in a few weeks. Don't know yet. Depends on how well tomorrow goes. So uh, yours is much more serious. I, I wish you the very best for that and hopefully a very, very uh, strong and quick recovery. Wishing you the best, studio. Um, yes. Okay. So um, they make time to get to Paxiwal and they get good time and they make it there without any type of issues. Um, soon as they, they park, they book it, of course, for the, uh, for the temple and leave Dorham to get everything set up. Uh, so Dandy, Michael, Darsh, and Artemis are going. Nathalian's on the ship, which it's, it's a little bit weird now because Nathalian's a crewmate, uh, but he's also a prince. So there's a little bit of uh, uh, a weird dimension there that things have to, uh, that people have to deal with. So, Draven, did you see the kidney stone link I tagged you in the Discord? Yes, 
I had commented that that looks exactly how it feels. A jagged glass sharp thing. Yes, I was. I'd never seen one up close. That was rough. But I appreciate you sharing that. That was very cool. Okay, so they make it to the temple. When they get there, they immediately they, they notice the second they get to the grounds of the temple that there's a lot more Templars walking around. And for those of you who knew, a Templar is basically um, a knight of the church. Not necessarily a paladin, which is different. You know what I mean? That's um, that's harsh. You know, that's way more powerful. But a Templar is is could still be a paladin one day, but it's someone who is militant for but they they're very religious and they have a calling to the gods themselves. And so the Templars themselves of the church may have a specific god that they follow as well, and they will they'll have a common outfit of armor set, but it will have colors and symbols of the specific god that they follow. Um, because that can matter in different situations. Uh, and to answer your question, we are seven away from 9,000 subscribers. Uh, I got keeping that over here because I've been watching it all day. Uh, so, yeah, when I just hit 8,000, yeah, I was, man, I remember when I hit my 1,000 and how blown away I was, my 1,000 originally. Uh, but yeah, we're getting close to hitting 9,000. Um, the big goal is to try to hit 10,000 by the end of the year. Uh, we are on pace to cut it close, but we should be able to do it. So, excited about that. They see all these extra Templars, but the Templars, they know these guys. These guys have been living in the temple back and forth for years. They're pretty famous in the area. So, as soon as they realize who they are, they let them in and take them in. And they're very quickly brought uh, to see Artemis in a room where she's eating with all three of the head priests. Both Sister uh, Maya and Brother Bart are healed and hanging out. Um, so they're, they're, they appear to be, they still look a little weak, a little haggard, because um, it's been weeks now. I mean, it took Darsh and them several weeks to get back here, right? So, um, but they're still weakened from it. But yes, they're up and doing. The Sovereign's Breath worked, and they are healed. Artemis, um, from her little concern of being chased in the streets, has not left the temple since she arrived. Um, and in fact, um, because of what's happened with them, no clerics are allowed to leave the temple without protection, um, which is either going to be Templars most of the time, or a cleric of like a war, a cleric that's more for combat, a war cleric, you know, something like that, um, a cleric who is just as good, but probably better than a Templar or a paladin, which there are paladins stop by there. A paladin lawful good is like, yes, I will escort you to the market. Let us get you peaches. I mean, they're, they're all about that. However, they can serve the, the church. Um, so, but there's concerns. Everybody, okay, somebody poisoned it. Somebody might've been after Artemis, but they haven't found anybody uh, that actually may have done that. So there's that. Um, both Sister Mary and Brother Bart thank the PCs or everybody in the party for their help in this. Um, they're very excited to hear what happened in San Triel, and they tell the truth to the three head clerics. They're friends; they don't hold that from them, and they know that they won't say anything. And they're like, "Wow, you've you've knocked out a, a pretty big threat there, and now that the sovereign is at least willing to entertain some form of peaceful conversation, um, you may have helped bring stability." to one of our biggest instable uh, long-term areas in the Southern Kingdoms. So that act of what they did has huge potential for repercussions, positive repercussions, um, on the Southern Kingdoms and moving forward. Because now, again, they have Darsh as a mediary, someone who'd be like, you're welcome there, you're welcome here. If there's a problem, we might be able, you know, let's say there was some type of dispute, we could say, hey, we'll bring Darsh in 
as like a neutral party to kind of work that out for us. Um, and so they're very happy to hear that as well. Um, now, at this point, um, they're done their adventure, right? They've healed them. Artemis is fine. Um, there's a lot of instability going on around here, but there's not much they can do about that. I mean, they can't roll into Thorman and say, we make you the king or the queen. That's out of their hands. So this, that's kind of the southern kingdom's thing. Um, they need to get back to serenity. They're the leaders of their own people, and now they've been gone for like a month and a half, you know, in the middle of theirs. And, and they just had some elites pop up in their homeland. They're concerned because they've not spoken with anybody back there. They need to get back there as quickly as they can. And Michael... Dandy and Darsh are going to be going with them because Dandy and Michael are going to get married. You remember they got engaged in the last uh, episode. Uh, they want to be married uh, in the church. They're actually going to be the first couple to be married there. And Darsh and, uh, would not miss that for the world. So Darsh hands over control of the ship to Dorham. Dorham knows what to do. There are times where Darsh may be on his island running stuff, and Dorham will take the ship and run a merchant's thing or whatever. Dorham, he trusts Dorham implicitly. Um, and then his second command of that ship is Rokar, which is his cousin. So basically, Dorham steps up as acting captain. Rokar steps up as acting first mate. Um, Dandy does the same thing with the Miss Dandy line. In fact, they say, uh, we want you to you know, park it here. Stay here you know, in case we need it. Something happens and we've got to come rushing back. We can hop in this boat and go meet Darsh's boat. Um, but you guys hang out here. You're paid because Dandy's got a lot of money. They all do. And they're going to continue basically to pay a salary to these folks uh, while they're just sitting there waiting for them to come back. Could be years. But they're going to get a steady paycheck until they come back and say, we're not interested. So with all that said, they decide everybody's going to go back to Serenity. Again, Dandy and Darsh have never been there ever since they first found it. When they were there, it was a little tiny um, temple in the middle of the woods and a lake. So they haven't seen any changes. Oh, Turtle had to go. All right, Turtle. I probably, I missed that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, and Sudo, love playing a Paladin. Paladin is great. And on my world, Paladin's even better because I loosen up some of the restrictions. Because you can be a Paladin of every god and not every god is lawful good. But you're going to have to stay true to what the god you are a Paladin of. So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways I run Paladins. I've only had a couple people play them, but I've had a bunch of NPCs. Paladins uh, and clerics all have their own way of working on Merged Worlds that I've kind of customed myself. All right. So they explain that. They take a few days in the city, gather up some stuff, do some things. Um, let me see. Uh, the Temple's more has a curfew. It's fortified while they're there. Um, and Paxwall is preparing to send help to Thorman if needed if an army does attack. Part of that treaty. They help each other out. Um, before they leave, they decide they want to go to the Brotherhood of Magic, the Mage Tower, and say, okay, they're not going to say what happened, what happened, but they can say we made friends with the elves and so on. And nobody says to anybody that Nathalian's a prince, because then someone might try to kidnap him or something. So Nathalian's still just a crewmate to everybody, on the, uh, everybody else they run into. Um, so they decide they're going to go to the Brotherhood of Magic to see if they can talk to anyone. Now, if you remember, before they left, about a month ago, um, sister, or not sister, Lamia, who's the head of the, the Red Robes, or the head of the, uh, her faction of, of uh, wizards, who her, her spe uh, specific is the making and researching and duplication of magical items and artifacts. That's her specialty. She got a lot of other magic spells too. She's pretty powerful, but that's her, that's her passion. And Tobias, our friend mage, is also the same. He has a natural gift for it. So he very quickly became her apprentice, and now he's 
works with her. He has his own uh, apprentice, uh, Edwin, who we met uh, at the very beginning of last episode. And so they get there. The Mage Tower's also on a lockdown. They're not letting a lot of people in. Um, but again, these aren't regular people. They're known to be allies. They send a message in, and yes, they're allowed entrance. So our five peeps, Artemis, Dandy, Darsh, uh, Mercy, and Michael, the fiancé, um, all go in there. And they're taken to a room uh, that very often they meet in. There's several council-type rooms they can go in and hang out in. Um, and they get in to see Tobias. And immediately they can tell something's wrong. When they walk into the room, Tobias, who at this point's 21 years old, 20, 21, he actually looks like he's now in his late 20s. Almost a bit, maybe even 30s. Like he looks aged. Even got a couple little wisps of uh, Mr. Fantastic Grey on the very tips of his sides there. Even though now he's growing his hair longer. His hair is also much longer. Much longer. I want to say that. He had short hair when he was here a month ago. Now it's much longer. Now he had told them, Lemia had said that they were going to go somewhere to check an avenue of their own. And they didn't know if it was going to work or if it was going to come back. But it was incredibly dangerous. And the two of them were going to go alone. They're back. He's back at least. So that's a good sign. But he looks changed in some ways. Uh, let's see. Nick Hacks. Why can't I donate without... Or how can, why can't I donate with PayPal? Um, you can. Um, the super chats and such sometimes won't work that way. But if you go to my YouTube channel um, on any of the page, you will see... Um, let me pull it up here so I can describe it specifically. So when you go to my channel in the upper right-hand corner of Only Draven Gaming, there are several links. There's a link that says OnlyDraven.com. That's my website. And the one right next to it is kind of a green color. You can donate there via PayPal or credit card. It still comes through the same way, um, but YouTube's not set up to let you do that with, 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 with PayPal in some situations. I'm not sure why it's not letting you normally. I, th I thought PayPal would work. Maybe it's just credit cards. could be backwards. But that link works the exact same way. It's just a direct donation link to me instead of going through YouTube. So uh, that one works as well. If you did want to, again, never ever feel you have to. I definitely appreciate you asking. Um, but for anyone who is interested, that is a secondary way that you can do that. Even when I'm not streaming, there is a donation link. It's small little green square. <laughs> I'm not trying to throw it in everybody's face. I'm not trying to sit and beg for cash. <laughs> but it's there. Um, so thank you. Uh, so they're in there. And Tobias greets them. He's as friendly as ever. But he seems a little bit more subdued. Like he's a little bit more serious than he was. And they don't want to draw attention to it. But they're like, eh, a little different there. How you doing? And um, he's very vague. He hears their story. Let's them tell them what he needs to hear first. And then he explains, our mission was also successful. Um, but not exactly as we thought. Um, it's not something that I can speak about now. Um... And unfortunately, Lamia could not be here to speak with you either um, because she's also dealing with some things. Uh, it was not an easy trip for us. Um, but he says, we're doing our best to help the southern kingdoms in this situation going on. We are not a big fan of Oramon either. Um, and so he explains that the mages and stuff have been trying to scry, right, using magic and such, to look past Thorman to see what's over there, right? Like, they want to say, okay, what's this? Is there an army there? And what they found is they can't. Even some of their most top...
Thank you very much, PS Gamer, for the sub. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you doing that on the other uh, the other account, Xbox. Thank you, sir. Um, but he says, we can't. An incredibly powerful magic will not let us look west past Thorman's border. Its border is as far as we can go. Um, something is blocking us. Hey, Nick. There you go. Thank you very much. It went through. Thank you very much for the donation. Again, I really do appreciate that. That, like I said, not only helped to unlock things for the community and such, um, but it's also uh, very, very helpful, especially in these uh, tough times. <laughs> and me being out of work for almost two months. I highly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, and that, when he donates that way with a little link, it actually does update the donation goal. So it actually kicks in automatically when you donate that way. Super Chats just isn't set up to work through uh, Streamlabs OBS at this point. Although they've added some new YouTube links, which I'm excited about to check. But I do appreciate that, Nick. Thank you. Um, so he says that a lot of things are going wrong here. They've heard about the stuff going on uh, south in uh, Kroniar, but their bigger concern right now is what is this army gathering to the west of Thorman? Uh, because, again, nobody wants a hostile enemy on their border. Thorman has that. As such, Paxawal basically does, because if they march in there and take over Thorman, now Paxawal has an enemy on their border, and they don't want that. Paxawal's in the middle of all of this, literally geographically, um, which puts them in a good spot, but it also means they have to support everybody on the border should somebody be coming at it to make sure that that wall of allies stays strong. And Paxawal is the largest uh, and most, I guess you could say, equipped and military group of all of the southern kingdoms. Um, except for, of course, uh, Firemoon. But Firemoon has no boats. He's landlocked. Uh, so for him to get down here, it's a march. But his the, the Knights of Firemoon are an incredibly powerful group. So in a, in a large-scale war, and they can get some of them down here, they'd be overwhelmingly beneficial. Um, there has been no word from Oromon. Not that anybody's ever really talked to them. Oromon does not communicate at all. Um, so, oh, okay, there was a delay on the Streamlabs showing me subscribe. Yeah, there's always a little bit of a delay there because it has to click in and then it has to send it from YouTube to Streamlabs and then Streamlabs has to send it back. A little delay on there and, and uh, members, for some reason, it's a really long delay on that one. I don't know why. Um, but what he says is that um, Tobias and his teams uh, is taking a team to try to investigate what's going on in Ormond. Tobias, very, at a young age, has very quickly become a very important mage in this area. He's gained power quickly. He's known to be incredibly good at what he does, especially the magic items and artifact stuff. Um, but he's someone that they can trust, and someone that Lamia really trusts. Obviously, it's the only person that she took with him on this important thing voyage they took that somehow has messed with him. Um, and he's, does, he's not as chatty and lighthearted as he was. He's still very friendly. He's not like he's in, like gone emo or anything. But he does have... Uh, he just seems a little bit more subdued than he used to. Almost a bit more mature. Hmm. So, they say they're going to be trying to do that. Trying to see if they can do a bit of a recon. So him and his team are going to try to magically port over to an area and see what's going on. Uh, but he does say he will do his very best to try to make the wedding uh, if, if he can. If he's back in time, he's going to try. Because while he himself... He has some teleport magic and such. It's not as strong as some of the others. Um, so, yes. So, at that point, uh, the only other thing that they learn... This is another important thing that, I, that happens that they're learning. Dandy, while she's here, decides to make a quick trip by Dale and One-Eye. See uh, how the Thieves' Guild's going. 
And when she goes to the butcher shop that she knows is the common entrance, the business is completely closed down. And it looks like it's been ransacked. She starts going around flashing what would be the guild thieves sign and such, and she gets no responses from anybody, which is also very strange. She tries this for a whole day, trying to get attention, going to the areas she knew her at, and then finally, in an, ally, or an alley, one of the rogues that she rec- recognizes kind of flashes the sign back and whispers her into an alley kind of thing. And he says, don't do that. And explains that there was a guild war. Another thieves' guild came in and tried to take over the city, and an assassination was attempted on whether Galen's alive or not, nobody knows. But something came in and tried to, like in literally overnight, try to wipe out the Thieves' Guild. Um, and Galen's gone. No one knows where he is. We just know that we don't know if the people attacked him or what's going on. There's not a lot of thievery going on at this point. But flashing that makes you a target. This guy is someone that Dandy's talked to before. She knows him. And, and in the same regard, this guy knows Dandy and knows that he's kind of a favorite of... She, or she's a favorite of One-Eyes. And so he's putting him, his own life on the line just by coming out of his hiding to let her know. And says, uh, do not use the, any of the thieves. Do not show any type of affiliation. At this point, we don't know what's going on. We're just all kind of staying hidden until we hear from One-Eye or, or hear that he's dead. And then we got to figure out what to do. Um, so they return to the temple, and again, they're preparing to head back. They know that there's going to be a caravan leaving in a few days that's going to be going to Serenity. Because, uh, again, almost monthly, a caravan goes there, and the next month one comes back, taking supplies, workmen, uh, stone, things they need to build in, in Serenity that they may not have here. And then stuff comes back as well. Um, and while they're there, they're pleased to find out that Zack and Twill are visiting. Zack and Twill, you may remember. Zack is a elven gentleman, and Twill is a kender. Zack is actually a dragon, um, and they go around mapping this new world. That's their adventure. They like to go around and provide maps. And they stop in here very often and give copies of the maps uh, to be added to the library um, here in, 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 the, in the temple, because that's where the big library is. Um, and they're very... Like, they're good people, but they stay neutral. They don't get involved in a lot of stuff. They're just on their own adventure, going out mapping things. Um, And again, they're invited to the wedding, and uh, they're very excited, and they say that uh, they will do their very best to uh, arrive as well. They don't see any reason why they couldn't. So they look forward and would love to go. Zach shockingly said, I've never been to a Kender wedding. And Dandy goes, me either! And they're all a little chatting about that. Um, But while... The two Kender are chatting. Zach talks to Mercy and Artemis and Darsh and uh, talking about what's going on. And he says that they've never been in Oromon's border. That's one place that they don't go. They go everywhere else. But they never go into Oromon's land. He goes, as a dragon, there is an incredibly powerful presence there that just warns of uh, magic and hatred. Like he goes, that's really what I feel. When I get there, powerful hatred magic. Something that repels me, and it's just not something I, I have a need or would want to go in. So unfortunately, that's not a place we're going to be able to get you any maps. But he goes, yes, there's some type of powerful magic there. He goes, I can feel it whenever we've gotten close. Because they've been to Thorman and helped map some of Thorman's lands. But they do not go into Ormon territory. Uh, so, yes, so they, they say they'll make it to the wedding. That's cool. So... A few days later, they join up with the caravan. It's time to head back to Serenity. Awesome. 
Okay, they, they hop in. The, the caravan technically works for Mercy, so this is great because she's able to stop in with, uh, you know, and kind of oversee some stuff, maybe even buy some extra stuff while she's there, right? They got the chest of holding. She's carrying some bank. Plus, they've got a huge savings in the uh, temple itself. They leave a chunk of their money there. Um, so it's, she's like, hey, we'll add this and this and this to the order. Let's add two more wagons full of stuff I want to buy. As you can understand, the merchants in Paxwell are like, okay. Yeah, you want to buy more stuff? What can I do for you? You like that statue? Statue, cool. You like these rocks? You want to carve them and make them part of your road? Sure, we'll sell you some rocks, whatever the case may be. Um, and she can buy lots of supplies, maybe even some decorations and things for the homes and keeps when they get done. Because yeah, she's not one to sew, Mercy, uh, but she will. She likes pretty things. So this is what I read to them when it came time to go home. So you meet up with the caravan in the early morning. The trip goes well, and the mood is light. A concern is voiced over the current issues facing the southern kingdoms, but overall, people feel that the rumors are over-exaggerated. Because it's all rumors at this point, for the, for the common people. They don't know quite as much as the, you know, people who actually, like, the politicians and the temple and such. Um, Artemis, Dandy, and several other women there, and Mercy uh, spend quite a bit of time discussing and planning Dandy's wedding. Michael is happy to leave all the details up to Dandy, but he does chime in when she asks. Finally, after days of travel, they all arrive at the Realm Gate. They make camp for two days until the morning the gate is scheduled to open. This is important. If you remember, you need a key to open the Realm Gate. Our party has two of them. Mercy has one that she keeps on her at all times. And the other one is in Serenity as well. They have the portal to here gets opened on the other side. The merchants don't have that. So it's scheduled. On this date at that time, the portal will open, the caravan comes through, the other caravan goes back. So it swaps out like that every month or every 28 days. It's on a schedule. So they know when it's supposed to happen. Usually it's Ulrich that takes that key and goes and opens it up. That's who Artem, her right-hand man, that's who she trusts. So very often when, when the key is not locked away for, for protection, it's Ulrich is carrying it. Uh, so they make camp for two days until the morning the gate is scheduled to open. On cue, at the exact time it does, and after a moment, Ulrich steps through. It is easy to see a large amount of relief on his face at the sight of, of, of Mercy. And then her friends. But Mercy specifically, that's his lord. That's who he hangs up. That's who he serves. And seeing her alive, he, you know, it almost looks like he wants to give her a hug of, oh my god, thank god you're alive. <laughs> I did not want to have to rule this place for you. Um, but... Uh, he comes through and thanks him, shakes a hand, salutes, all that kind of stuff. Um, explains that nothing has happened in Serenity while they were gone. There's no more signs of any elites. There's been no trouble up there at all. Other than those two elites that Mercy killed, there's been no problems. And construction is going very, very well. They've actually had a good break of good weather. Uh, so they've got a lot done. So the uh, caravan and such goes going through. Remember, it takes a day or two to get from the portal back to Serenity, so once they all go through, they still have a little bit of traveling. It's much faster now because there's a road there. It's one of the first things they built, uh, so the wagons and such have a much easier time going down the road. Um, they do find out that multiple people have been showing up, uh, as were happening before, looking for work. Some of them are put to work, um, you know, building or whatever, and then some of them who show up, who have military background, are hired as guards and or soldiers of what is becoming Mercy's army. Um, she doesn't view it as an army. She views it more as a security force, something to help protect these lands and to protect the towns around them should issues arise. Um, 
but as her kingdom grows and she gains fame, more and more people show up looking for that kind of work. They're like, hey, I was a soldier here in the, in the old world, and then the merge happened and my kingdom was gone. I've been wandering around for years, just taking jobs, guarding caravans and such. I would love to work for someone who's known as a good lord, who takes care of her people and pays well. Yes, please, I would love a regular job and I could settle down and start a new life here. Um, so a lot of people like that who've just kind of been wandering, those people especially are being pulled towards mercy, including some what you would call adventurers. People who are out on their adventure trying to find a way home back to their world only to realize it wasn't going to happen. So this is the kind of place where mm, I could settle down here. Uh, PS Gamer, okay, Draven, I have to sleep for school. Good night. Good night, Xbox. Thank you very much for coming by. Have yourself a good evening, and hopefully we will see you in a couple of days. Again, remember, no stream tomorrow because I'm having surgery, but I'm hoping to be back Tuesday, Wednesday at the latest. I'll let you guys know as soon as I get out of the surgery how I'm feeling. So, of course, they, they make their way back to um, Serenity. Things are going well. Darsh and Dandy and Michael are blown away. Because, remember, they didn't see any of this when they were last. Like, just the road itself was impressive. But they show up, and it's a city with a big castle being built up on the hill overlooking the, the, the lake. I have art to show you about that very soon as well. Because I have a, a very bad drawing of what the land looks like around it. Um, that I found. I just got to get it scanned or take a picture of it and pop it up there. Um... In a couple of those days. Good night, Father. Yes, see you very soon, hopefully. Um, are the teas for sale and delivered to the UK? Yes. Um, everything on the ODG sh uh, store sells, uh, ships to, I think we're, it's like 140 different countries. UK is one. Um, it's set to charge correct shipping for that kind of stuff. Um, as a member, if you go to the um, members Discord channel, right, there are pinned messages you can look at. If you go to the members one, there's a pinned message. Uh, you get a 10% off code that you can put in on checkout. As a member, you get 10% off anything that you buy on there. Um, but yes, I've I've had people deliver stuff to um, uh, UK. Uh, we've done several Canada. I think I had one one Australia. I think one Romania. I could be wrong about the Romania one. Somewhere else in Europe. Uh, but yes, I do ship all over the places. It, it should tell you for sure. Uh, but I know we do to the UK, yes. Uh, hello, Gore-Tex. Welcome back. I'm going to really quickly eat a mint because I'm getting a little mouth dry. One second. All right. Oh, thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. All right. So, they're back looking at all this stuff. Adjusting. Oh, yeah. Mystique got one of my cups. And some other stuff, I think. And stickers and all that kind of... Oh, you were very welcome, studio. Very much. And throw that out there. I do run sales from time to time. That 10% discount is on top of any sale price. You always get 10% off whatever the mark price is. So if I was doing a clearance sale, which I did like two months ago, you get that 10% on top of that. So always use that code. Some people are like, oh, it's on sale. I guess the code doesn't work. It, it will work for you. So always, I want you to get something that comes. It's one of the perks. Please take advantage of it. Um, all right. So once they get back, right, um, it becomes a period for them uh, in D&D, when we were playing it, a time of non-adventure adventure. This was a period where they were going through, Artemis was dealing with building stuff, you know, and so was Mercy. They were dealing with working on things. There was actual wedding planning, um, which a large part of that, uh, they brought in Kelvin for that, because he's their party guy, who's another Kender, which he has done uh, Kender weddings, so he's all excited about that, and him and Dandy chat and show each other what they their prizes and tell stories and all that. They get along smashingly. Um, 
uh, while Darsh and kind of starts joining Mercy on some of her day-to-day activities, going to the other villages, chatting with people. They all know Darsh there, too. He was there originally, so Darsh is viewed as an ally as well. Dandy spends a lot of time with Artemis. And so while we were playing this, I gave them time to do that stuff. Non-action adventure. What do you want to do with your temple? I'd like to have a statue of this. Cool. How do you want it designed? Who are you going to hire? This is how much it's going to cost. And they actually got to almost like uh, decorate their house and such. And this is important because I drew out pictures of their temples, what room was what. They could mark on there what they had when they're out and doing adventures. You know, um, a lot of times when you're playing D&D and you find a dragon's hoard, there's coins and weapons and armor, and that's awesome. But you may find a, a, a banner, gold-laced decorative banner, a, 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 a silver... Uh, embossed mirror, you know, things that a lot of times you just sell, right, uh, for money, but they can take it home and actually put it somewhere. There's magical chairs. Where are you going to put a magical chair on a trip, right? Uh, Gordek, can you explain Dungeons and Dragons? I can. So this will be just a short aside for some of the new folks. Dungeons and Dragons works like this. As players, whoever you are, you're, you're going to create a character in a fantasy world. There are that what you'd see is the traditional fantasy races. Elves, dwarves, gnomes. Lord of the Rings is the best example. Imagine if you were in Lord of the Rings, you were, you were playing a character. So there's no board, there's no video game. I'm telling you the story, and you tell me what you want to do. You're walking down a long tunnel. You've been down the tunnel for five minutes. You finally get to the end, and it goes left and right. The right, you see a lot of cobwebs and dust. The left is more lit. Which direction do you want to go? You tell me that. And then I proceed with telling you what happens based on that. You enter combat. You roll dice. Your character page that explains all of the stuff on it. Okay, I tell you some stuff. We do some math. You have a 20-sided dice. You know you have to roll 16 or above to hit this monster with your sword. You roll it. You rolled 16. Now your sword does 1d8 damage. You pick up an 8-sided dice. You roll it. You say 4. That's how many life points that monster lost. Then I do the same thing to you, because I'm running the monsters as the dungeon master, and you go back and you battle. You Magic items, magic stories. A lot like, again, Lord of the Rings, where you're living the story with these characters you've created, and I'm telling you the story and creating the world that you're in. That's what the dungeon master does. And I run what are called the NPCs. So if you ever played a video game, and you have to talk to 50 people, and there's soldiers, whatever, I run everybody else. So all the allies, the minions, the shopkeepers, the president of this country, I'm the one that runs all of those. So when you're when we're playing, you're you. You're talking as that character. You're a knight, and you're talking to me as if I'm the king, and I'm talking back as the king. And I'm switching between characters as needed. So you actually get to act it out and role-play it. Um, again, a lot of it's dice. There's, there's random stuff to it. Um, you, as you get more, you gain experience points, like just in a video game. As you level up, you gain new spells and abilities. If you're a wizard, you get new spells. If you're a warrior, you get better with your sword. So a lot of that kind of stuff goes into it. I've been writing and running the same storyline for almost 30 years. So I played with a group of people, and then I moved. And the new group of people I played with, I continued that story. And their characters saw the old characters as historical figures. So that I now run as NPCs, they're people in the world, but now this snow group is doing a thing, and that happens several times. So in my mind, it's one long, cohesive story, but for each of these groups, they only know their part that they lived with me, and what parts they've learned through their adventures. 
So kind of like that. Uh, is it like that game from the regular show that they hated? I don't, I don't think I've seen that, so I apologize. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not positive of that. But there's a lot of D&D stuff on the channel, uh, on, 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 out there, that you can watch. Videos, Critical Role being probably one of the most famous ones. I'm going to be bringing some more live D&D stuff to the channel next year as well, once I get through this and everything going on right now. Um, I have some more D&D-themed stuff that will be coming into the channel as well. Not taking away any of the other stuff, just adding more new things coming in. Okay, so... Okay, during this time... Oh, you're very welcome, Vortex. During this time, um, they're doing kind of that stuff. So, some of the things, the planning of the weddings going on, uh, dealing with issues such as um, hiring cooks, servants, uh, deciding who's staying where. Both Darsh and Dandy end up staying at Mercy's Keep. There's more room. Or, or, and her, her house, she's got a little house they built while they're building the castle. And the castle's about ready to start being moved inable, which Mercy's very excited about. It should be done here within a week or two. Um... Mercy and Darsh are out traveling around, visiting the different uh, towns, because Mercy does that regularly. Any problems? Everything going well? She doesn't rule these towns. They're neighbors. But she has trade agreements with many. She's trades, not agreements at this point, but she does trade with them. She's allies with many of them. Some of them are okay with her, but don't want to be involved. Some of them are all about her and love the fact that she's there, overseeing them, to kind of protect them. And there's been issues with a pack of wolves was attacking livestock. Mercy and her men went out and took care of it. Some ogres attacked a village. Mercy and her men went and took care of it. So these are things where they become very beneficial, but they're not paying taxes or anything yet. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're still getting that benefit. So she allies with them. As they're out traveling around one of the towns, they do come across uh, one day um, a couple of young boys. Uh, 115, 116. They're brothers named Dab and Flynn. Uh... Uh, Dab is the older, Flynn is the younger. Um, they're local boys, and, and Mercy's run across them a couple times. Um, they, they're they like, we want to join your army too. They're sons of farmers, of course, that live in the area. And she's like, well, you know, you're still a little young, but, I mean, she's got people that age, but you're still a little young. Uh, you know, maybe down the road, just keep working for your father, you, you go to school, get a degree, all that kind of stuff. You know, she doesn't want to be like, yeah, let me take you from your family, because you know, a lot of families don't want their people doing that. Um, but the boys, you can tell they're very enamored, not like I'm in love with Mercy, but enamored of her status-wise and, and stuff. And, and she knows that during the Battle of Moonbrook, a couple years ago at this point, they were in the city. They saw some of that battle. They didn't fight. They were younger even so then. Um, but they, they were there to see part of Mercy and her friends take care of that. And it's exciting for Darsh to show back up, because no one in the area has seen Darsh since then either. Um, so Dab and Flynn, they get to chat with them. Uh, Zach and Twill do arrive four days before the wedding. Okay? We're entering into a timeline now. So I'm going to start saying some numbers. Four days before the wedding, Zach and Twill arrive. They're excited to be there, especially considering Zach flies in as a dragon, not even hiding it in Serenity. And all the workmen are like, oh god, dragon! Freaking out a little bit. But as soon as they land, he transfers, and Mercy goes up, shakes his hand, and people are like, oh, that's okay then. They go back to work, whatever they're doing. But a little bit of a freak out there, because they weren't expecting that. Um... And they arrive, they're given quarters in Mercy's uh, area as well. They're sitting there. At this point, Mercy's starting to move into the keep. There's one wing that's pretty much done. Um, rooms that are more like the, uh, what, I guess what you call banquet rooms and such. That's not as done yet, but the personal quarters, uh, they, they got hers done, and there's basically guest areas now of different caliber, right? Single bedrooms, fancy bedrooms. If a king was to show up, you know, they've got that. So Zach and Twill 
um, Mercy, Dandy, Michael, all of them now have moved into the keep. The only one who doesn't live there is Artemis because she already lives in the temple. And it's like a 15, 20 minute walk or, you know, five to 10 minute horse ride if needs to. Um, so, is that, are you follow? Oh, is that you following on the, uh, on the, uh, was that, uh, Facebook? Yes, yeah, so that was a different notification. I saw it popped up. So I appreciate that as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I do try to throw the socials at folks. Uh, so, uh, especially the Twitter and the Facebook, those are the ones I'm most active on. All right. Now we're going to read into the story, if I may. We're not going to get to the Halloween stuff like I hoped. Um, I might do an extra Merged Worlds stream next Sunday. It would be the first, like the date, the first. Um, I might do an extra Merged Worlds next week. Let's see where we get. See where we get in the story, and we'll think about it. Oh. Thank you, Nick Vlogs, for the sub. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Grab that. Uh, we just hit 9,001 subscribers. Hot damn. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we just broke our 9,000. We are over 9,000 subscribers on this damn channel. Thank you guys so much for that. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I am very... Was that you put the last one in there, Nick? I appreciate that. I, uh, we are on par to hit 10K by the end of the year, and that blows my mind. And we went from, from 8 to 9K in about seven weeks. Uh, so we are, we are on par. As long as we don't hit a slowdown, we keep going where we're going, we're going to hit 10K. And that's going to be... We're going to do sometimes extra special celebration for that one, for sure. Okay. Zachis will show up four days before the wedding. Now we move into two days before the wedding. It is mid-afternoon, two days before the wedding. I just said that, but I said it again. Darsh, Mercy, Zach, and Twill are sitting in the Keep's uh, Great Hall, enjoying a meal. It's not finished yet, but they're enjoying their kind of seeing the work that's being done and chatting. Thank you, Gore-Tex. I appreciate that. Um, enjoying a, a meal with some of Mercy's men. Because remember, Mercy has her knights, right? Ulrich is the big one, Quan, uh, Seamus, and then... Uh, Wade and Lars, right? That's that's her men at this point. That's her her knights, what she calls them, her, her most loyal and, and highest skilled. Um, Dandy and Michael are down at the temple with Artemis, working on some last-minute wedding stuff. It's two days away, right? Suddenly, one of the workmen named Yosef uh, comes running in. Lady Mercy, he says. A young man on horseback just arrived at the front gates. He appears to be a wizard, and he looks hurt very badly. He's asking for you and your allies, by name. We've also sent word to the temple for a healer. Um, and, of course, immediately, Mercy and friends are up. Okay, wizard. Tobias, right? Like, that's just obviously. <laughs> Tobias, and he's hurt. That's a problem. So they go rushing out, and uh, sure enough, they come across the wizard, but it's not Tobias. It's Edwin. If you remember, Edwin is his um, apprentice. You can tell that he's, he's, damn, he's been hurt. Uh, there's cuts and such. He's burned real bad on one of his arms. His robe is charred and dirty and blood on it. You can't even see all the wounds. probably been stabbed and such. Um, he's seriously injured. Um, it's not long after that a, a cleric comes up with Artemis herself, because again, same situation, hearing the message, thinking could be Tobias comes rushing up, and he'd passed out at one point, but he kind of wakes up with Artemis' healing. 
Um, and he explained, and, and that's what happened. How'd you get hurt? Because he's still hurt, and you're going to take a bunch of healing. But he explains that he had gone with Tobias to spy on Ormon, to kind of see what was going on there. And he said, we don't know how, but they knew we were coming. When we teleported in, in the middle of a field or a forest, wherever it was, they were there waiting for him. Groups of elites and dark clerics of Pandora, which is their god. They immediately were under attack. And most of the wizards were killed within minutes. I would have died for sure, he said. But Tobias cast a spell on me. Instead of healing himself, he told me to find you and cast a spell that hurtled me through a portal. And I woke up like an hour and a you know, hour, day or so away from here. I was able to, I had, he had some coin. He was able to buy a horse from a farmer and he came running up here as quickly as, as soon as he found out where he was. Um, but he's been bleeding and sore since this happened. But he came rushing up to tell them that. And so he doesn't know if Tobias is dead or not. He just, the last thing he saw was Tobias grab him and tell him to go find Mercy and threw, threw him backwards and he felt himself go through a portal and wake up in this kind of field thing. Um, let's see. He goes, but the other thing that I, he, he was supposed to tell him, again, he doesn't know the whole thing. He says, the other thing I have to tell you is this. Oramon has attacked Thorman. That battle has started. But that's not the worst of it. There's an army coming here to Serenity as well. Ormon has sent a force to you. Mercy, hearing this news, is well, dumbstruck for a second. And then immediately starts calling things out. Get me a knights, get my people here. I need to see my general. Starts calling in people. There's an army marching on Serenity, and Serenity is not ready for that. It's not a full-fledged kingdom. Oh, thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate that. It's not a full-built kingdom yet. They don't have a huge army. Ormon potentially does. Edwin doesn't know how big it is. He, all he knows is that's information that he was supposed to give. Tobias uh, found that out through us. Because when they landed, they were attacked. And I apologize. There was a way that they knew, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was some type of spell that, uh, as soon as they arrived, Tobias was casting that spell. And within minutes, it wasn't like we popped in and they were standing there with an axe. They popped in, and within minutes, they were coming. Like, someone knew they were coming to that area, and when they popped in, they then converged on them. So they got that information through the first spells. They didn't plan on being there long, but then they got attacked before they could come back. Um, Oramon has also, it appears, allied with the Black Horn. Because the Black Horn have openly attacked in Kronear as well, and Kronear now has an active civil war. All of this stuff has happened. There was an attack on the Emperor's palace, but they don't know, this is what he learned, but they don't know if the Emperor was killed or not. Uh, studio says, in d and I also play a mad wizard as well as a paladin named Artemis. <laughs> nice. Artemis, I spell slightly different. Mine's with an E. Krakatoa, I like that. So, they heal Edwin and such. Zack and Twill are there, because they, they were there, you know, hanging out, and they're like, again, we can't get involved, but we will survey your territory. We'll go take a look, see if we can find anything. We're not going into Oramon's lands, but there's a big swath of land before what would be considered Ormon and Serenity. They're not like right next to each other. There's a huge swath of land there. Um, hundreds of miles that no one really claims except the few people who happen to live there. Um, 
so Mercy's like, yes, please. I would definitely appreciate any information you can help us with. Uh, so very quickly, Zach and Twill, they take off to go look at that. Um, they immediately start planning, seeing what their options are. Within uh, six hours, Zach and Twill remain or return and say that from what they can tell, approximately 10 days travel away, uh, there are over 1,000 people in the army. So it's not a huge force, but that's a big force. Thousands, a lot of people. Um, but it's not like, you know, tens of thousands, not massive, massive, more of a, like a Braveheart size battle, maybe a little bigger than that. Um, Zach and Twill apologize, but they have to leave. They can't stay for the wedding. They're like, there are other, are other people we have to make aware of this and the information that Edwin has. Paxawal needs to know, right? That's the central, uh, so fire moon. We, they need to know this is all happening. Uh, they may already know about Thorman, but they may not know about Kronar, and they may not know about what's happening up here in Serenity. They definitely don't know about anything in Serenity. So they have to make him aware of that. So Zach and Tua leave. Unfortunately, they're not able to stay. So basically, at this point, I let the characters go, what do you want to do? And they decide, we're going to have to raise an army. So they literally sent out word to the villages, there is an army coming here. We can only assume it's the same people that were enslaving and trying to kill you two years ago. We are going to stand against them. We're taking all of Mercy's like, I'm taking everybody I got. We're going to try to do what we can to stop them. We are calling for any help from any able-bodied warriors that can join. And these people, the last two years have been the best they've had in generations. So many of them very quickly, even the cities that aren't really keen on, you know, Mercy there. So some villages are like, eh, you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. They're like, well, we don't want an army rolling over you and then getting us. Because it has been a good couple of years. So that word goes out and people start coming. You know? Um, and they start arriving. And Mercy has to prepare. Uh, Darsh jumps in very quickly to help. And everybody's preparing that. They still have the wedding. Okay, I want to point that out. They do still have the wedding. And that's um, an important thing. Uh, that was all role-played. I didn't have anything written from that. Um, but they still have that. And they... As soon as it's over, instead of self mercy's gone doing things. The big reception afterwards is a much smaller deal, but that's okay to Dandy. The, the marriage thing was the big deal to her. They can always have a party. Like, Kelvin's a little heartbroken, and now he's angry at Ormond for messing up his party. Um, you never want a, 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 an angry, tender cleric on your hands. Um, but Dandy is now technically married to Michael. I mean, legally, he's married to Michael, um, which is cool. Because that's the first of the characters to actually have any type of relationship status, especially stepping into that. So, um, and they're such a good couple. I like them. I need to, I've always wanted to get some good fan art of Michael. And I've, I've, that's one, or get, not fan art. I always want to get some art, pay someone to do a good picture of Michael. And I have never done that. Something I need to do. Um, so again, using the maps and such that they do have, because they've sort of looked around all this area. They know that there is... Um, Several days, two days away, there's basically a valley-ish area. That's their best place to meet this army. It's far enough away that they can have room to backtrack. It gives them a bit of high ground. Um, so it's the best area that they believe to face this army. And it's the direction they're coming from anyways. So they have to set that all up. So they have no things that they don't have. They have no war machines. Mercy has no ballista. She has no uh, catapults. The young lady who ran that and was building all of this never once asked about that stuff. So she never had any. But that's something that after this they realized we're going to have to do. They do have quite a bit of horses from there. And Mercy uh, is a big fan of horses. Uh, she has, uh, she's wanting a horse farm. So she's already bought a lot of horses, both from 
Paxwell and had him come up through the portal as well as locally. So there's a good chunk of horses, especially for the people that are in her military. Those ones are much more trained than the militia folks that are just showing up. Um, and of course, Zach also takes word to Paxawal that all this is going on as well. Because it's a dragon. I mean, he can get there really, really fast. Um, oh, well, thank you for that as well, Studio. I appreciate that. I will take a mint. All right. Um, where are we at? Um, hmm. Here we are. Whew! We finally made it. I'm going to be reading stuff over the next couple minutes. This stuff's important. And hopefully, you guys will think it's cool. It is the day after the wedding, and the world is in turmoil. Everyone is up early, preparing for the upcoming battle. Volunteers and recruits are arriving in groups more and more all throughout the day. They're being quickly organized, given supplies, and armed, and given to specific groups. You're going to be with this group. This is your commander. Follow him. That kind of stuff. They're going to put the trained warriors mostly up front. They're not going to send the rest of them in as fodder. Mercy's not that kind of leader. So the trained will be up front. Um, and very often, the way Mercy did it was like a buddy system. You're trained. You're a militia. You stick with this guy. Work together. You know how to use a sword. You're not a complete lump. This guy's trained. You hang out with him. And they, they'll ask you how many you fought in a battle, you fought in a war, what are your skill level, and try to partner stuff up like that. That's something that uh, the young lady who did Mercy wanted to do, and I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, by doing that, um, I made it so the stats on the untrained person, um, if they were put with a trained person, they get a perk to help them. It's a bonus. Because that person, even while they're traveling, can do this when I do this. I'm going to fight this way. You stay on the side and keep anybody from hitting me in the back. Those type of things, pairings would give a group. Although if one was to die, that, that perk was lost. Um, so they're getting near to the end of the day. They're going to head out the next morning. They're getting ready to go. Um, let's see. And the sun is slowly beginning to set as Mercy looks down at the camp of gathered men that are now her army. Everyone had gathered at Serenity Keep, uh, of the, the important people, the knights and the generals and such, for dinner and to go over the plans. Even Artemis had managed to pull herself away from the temple. Along with Lucas, they'd arrived to discuss the temple's part in the upcoming battle. Because a mess of the clerics are going to go. Most of them don't have any type of combat experience. The primary clerics they have are healers, and that's, to be honest with you, in a, in a fight like this, they're going to need a lot of those anyways in the back. There are a few other non-cleric, like a Kelvin being one, he's a, a god of the harvest and such, he's a plant guy. There's a couple other ones, or maybe a couple combat clerics there. Um, there are several that can jump out there, but they don't have a large force of combat clerics. Most of them are healers, uh, and they're drawn to Artemis because of that, as she's a healer as well. The food, of course, is delicious, always good, and plans were well underway when the large entrance doors are thrown open. Ulrich, who'd been checking with the lieutenants, uh, enters the room, and walking behind him is a young man about 15 years old. His common clothes and cloak are well made, but dirty from the road. It only takes you a moment to realize that this is Flynn, the young man from the southern farmstead that they talked to the other day. This young man has asked to see you, Lady Mercy, Ulrich says. He says it is of the utmost importance. Flynn explains that he and Dab were working in the fields, getting near the end of the day, in their father, as they normally do. And as they were preparing to finish up, Dab noticed something. Along the tree line, he noticed several men sneaking through the woods. The boys recognized them as Oramon's elites, 
They had seen them before, um, back in the Battle of Moonbrook and things of that nature. And that they were heading east towards the temple and the keep. The boys knew they had to warn, and they uh, warned Mercy. They, were not, they weren't going towards their family's farmsteads. They didn't need to warn them. They needed to warn the temple, the temple being the big one. And they jumped on their horses, which aren't the best horses, and rode as quickly as possible. Now, it's at this moment, as I'm telling this story, that somebody noticed and asked, well, where's Dabs? Here's Flynn. Where's Dabs? Flynn, trying to hold back the tears, advised that Dab fell along the way. The elites saw us and pursued. And even though we're on horses, not the best horses, uh, the, a horse, I'm sorry. There's the two of them on a horse um, with the smaller, younger Flynn in front, Dab's on the back. Um, Dab's fell, not like fell off, fell, was injured, attacked, and yelled at him to go to warn me. Flynn carried on. Um, and then he falls forward, and they realize he's got a knife stuck in him as well. And Artemis healing and such. They didn't realize he didn't give a word, but he's got blood all over his back, but it was hidden by his kind of cape thing. Uh, so they heal him up and such, and they're like, the elites are spying on us. It makes sense. We're spying on them. Guards are doubled everywhere. You know, it, it goes out. What was a good final evening has kind of been ruined by those events, but everybody is preparing now, doubling the guard, doubling the set. Mercy's like, everyone needs to go to sleep. We've got to march in the morning. But now she's going to have to leave a little bit more men back than she'd wanted to, because now she knows there could be some elites here. She can't leave six of these guys, if six is all there is, walking around the temple and the keep without any soldiers. So Mercy's going to have to leave a few back here that she hadn't wanted to. So that's a concern. Now, what I'm going to read now is two different separate segments that happen in two places. I'm going to state the character, and this is the exact same way I did it for them. I stated the character's name to make them aware that this was happening to them, and then I read. I'm going to do it the same way here with you guys. Artemis. The room is dark. At first, you're not sure what woke you. Then you hear the soft footsteps moving towards you. Laying very still, you hear a blade being slowly drawn from a scabbard. A second later... A second blade is drawn. What do you do? Artemis is not armed. She's sleeping in her bedroom. She's the only one in there. And something just drew two swords. And if you remember, the elites each draw two swords. She immediately cast a spell. She had a magic uh, ring that let her cast, um, which was like a, a blazing, like a, a light thing. It could be blinding. Um, and she did that to try to blind whoever was coming. That was, her, that was her goal. But did it happen? Let's move on. Dandy. You are awoken by your name being called out by a panicked voice. A voice that almost seems like it has an echo. The small bedroom is being lit by a single purple glow. Looking over to Michael's side of the bed, Dandy sees him standing there. Purple flames shooting from his eye sockets as his hair turns white. He looks at you with a look of fear on his face. His mouth moves, but all you can hear him whisper is one word. Artemis. You feel your heart drop as Menandra bursts into purple flame in his hands, and Michael immediately runs out of the room, busting through the door. So those two things happen back to back. Hello, Artemis, says the cool, familiar voice. 
She looks into Draven's red glowing eyes as he says, Quickly now, we must hurry. It's time for us to go. So in the middle of that, they weren't expecting that. We continue with Artemis. That's actually when we were playing. That's how I ended the night. They didn't know anything else uh, for two weeks because at the time we, we something I was working the next Sunday, so it was two weeks. That was the last thing that they heard, and then which of course was killing the young lady who plays Artemis. Then we move into the next one. Draven stands before you, dressed exactly as he always is, quickly striking the two daggers he's drawn. Spark jumps off them, lighting the candle on the table. Puts away the blades and says, You only have a few moments to gather your things. We must be gone quickly. Artemis is like, I can't leave. We're about to have a war that's going to go on. We just had the wedding. There's this, this and that. And he just stops her and he goes, We have to move quickly. And he stops and he kind of looks in a slightly different direction out, outside the window, towards the window. Shakes his head and he goes, He's more powerful than I thought, and he's going to be here soon. You need to gather your things and come with me now. It is, to t- it is time to fulfill the oath that you swore that you would go. That no matter what was going on, where you were, or what you were doing, when the day came that I needed you, you would come with me without question. And I have to tell you this now. Your friends are coming. He knows that I'm here. If he arrives, I'm not going to have any choice, but I'll have to kill him. He will not let you come with me by choice. So you can come with me now, before he arrives, or I'll have no choice but to kill all of those that enter that door, and then we'll have to leave anyways. You made a promise to me and to your God. It's time to fulfill that promise. Artemis is speechless, but... She did do that. And Draven standing there, she honestly can, yeah, he could probably kill a ton of people, especially uh, Michael. Like, he just wafts, uh, like, power. He just has that aura about him. Now, if you remember, Artemis has the chest of holding. It actually has the flying carpet in it currently. He says, you're going to need to bring your chest, but leave your orb here. Artemis tries to play coy. What orb? He goes, I'm not a fool, and I know all about it. The orb that you can use to communicate with your friends, leave it on the desk. You won't need it where we're going. Artemis is a little irritated, because that was exactly what she was hoping. He didn't know, so whatever happened, she could do that. But at this point, he said, he looks at her and he says, I finally found him, and I've also been made aware of me how I need you to help me defeat him. It has to happen, but trust me, There is an evil out there that I'm taking you to, that I'm trying to destroy, that is worse than the entire force that is coming towards your temple. And while I know that this is your land and your friends are out there, you're going to have to trust that they can take care of this without you. We're going to fight something greater. Dumbfounded, but knowing time is of the essence, Artemis can only do what she's told. She takes the orb out, sets it down, grabs some clothes, some basic stuff, and basically just chucks him in the chest and then shrinks it up. When she's ready to go, Draven walks over to the window. Now, mind you, she's on like the second or third floor. This is a a big place. 
tells her to hold on to him very tightly. And she does. And she feels him just basically fall back out the window. And as she does fall back, she feels herself falling into darkness. And everything goes black. Dandy. The guards at the temple entrance try to keep you from entering at first. Michael's appearance has them quite startled. But once they recognize you and you tell them Artemis is in trouble, it's only seconds before you're running through the halls with a whole contingent of Templars at your side. Running down the hall to Artemis's quarters, at the end, you see Lucas stepping up. Remember, Lucas is, is her head guy. He takes one look at Michael and without, without hesitation turns and kicks her door open. Everyone bursts into the room and begins calling out her name looking for her. But when they reach her empty bedroom, with its window wide open, everyone can do anything but just stop. Dandy sees the orb sitting on the table. Lucas immediately orders the Templars to sound the alarm, to search the temple and the grounds around it. Everyone is to wake up. We have to find Artemis. Michael slowly walks to the window, placing his hands on the sill, looking out into the darkness. Of course, Lucas and the guards don't find anything. They find no tracks, nothing that would lead them out. However, Draven got in, he got around every security that they had, even the magical spells that were cast to defend the temple, which there's going to be really powerful ones in the future, but there's still some pretty honking uh, defensive spells that should have protected her chamber. He walked right in. Darsh and Mercy, of course, immediately come charging up on horses. They, they're made aware with Ulrich and several of the other knights. Because again, they're all supposed to be leaving in a couple hours to go fight a war. They all show up and are told what happens. Mercy freaks. She's furious. And she's not furious at Lucas or anybody in particular. She's furious at the situation. It's then that Michael speaks and says... We can feel him. We know where he is. And like, you know who? And Michael said, Artemis has been tainted. I knew of it years ago. Menandra could sense the touch of death on Artemis the day we met back up with you just north of here. I didn't quite understand what it was, but somehow she had a touch of death. And with her power, it would have had to have been something by choice. Uh, because she would have probably had the power to heal anything of that nature. And she's had multiple opportunities. Packs a wall with Brother Bart and them to have healing as well. So to maintain that, and he goes, and I can, Menander and I can sense it every time we're near her. Uh, it's very faint. But now I'm sensing a stronger version of that same aura. And I know that she's with him. I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about it. But she's with him. Mercy's like, what do we do? And they start talking up. Dark's just like, oh, maybe I'll have to go after her. And, well, well maybe I should go. Lucas is like, well, I'm going to. And all these things. People start with this and that. And uh, again, Michael's like, Dandy and I are going to go after her. The rest of you are going to stay here. Lucas is like, hell I am. Michael, Michael, his hair flares up a little bit brighter. He goes, none of you are going to be able to find him. 
as we speak, he's getting further away very quickly. The further he gets, the less I can sense him. We have to leave quickly. Artemis is not here, but you have an army marching up to here, and you are all sworn to protect this temple and these lands and these people. With her gone, Lucas, your job is to protect these people. She's not the only cleric here. We know how important she is, but you have a duty to that. And what would she want of you? You need to stay here and protect the clerics who are about to march into battle, many of them for the first time. Darsh, we'd love to take you as well, but to be honest, with your size, it's going to be hard for you to keep up. Unfortunately, she has the damn flying carpet, so we can't follow her that way. I'm going to need horses and some basic supplies. But Dandy and I, this is what we do. We're going to find him, I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to bring her home. It's a little bit of arguing and such at first, but it's only half-assed because they all kind of know he's right. There's not much that can be done. They're literally supposed to leave in the next couple of hours to go fight their first war for any of these people. Darsh on the battlefield, that's, that's a horrendous boon. Darsh might as well be 20 regular over-trained warriors. Darsh is going to walk in there and he's got magic items and weapons and such. He's going to trash that place, or the army. I mean, he's invaluable here. But running through wherever to try to find Arnus, not so much. Michael even seems slightly hesitant in taking Dandy. But he also knows there's no way in hell he's going to get to go without her. Because she's just going to follow him anyway. So he's intelligently enough just says, Dandy and I will go. Quickly, Mercy then starts calling for supplies. Dandy and Michael go back to their rooms, and they put on their gear. And when I put them in their gear, I mean they put on their undead hunting gear. Because they're now on a hunt again. They get all of the stuff that they need, and they pack up. By the time they come out, Mercy has horses for them. Food, supplies, all strapped on. Michael and Dandy hop on. Michael turns and looks at Mercy and goes, I will bring her home. Take care of your kingdom. And without another word... They take off, the purple flames of his eyes still flaring, and Menandra strapped on his back still glowing. They take off to the east, the opposite direction of where the war is going to be. There's nothing else that can be done. Mercy and Darsh aren't going to go back to sleep today. They begin their final preparations to leave, and within a couple of hours... The first army of Serenity marches west towards Oramon and potentially their death. Miyasha is now, which as was um, the right hand of Artemis, now steps into Artemis's role, uh, leading the clerics. Uh, Lucas has his Templars in there protecting the clerics, but Lucas is staying by Miyasha because now she's in charge. He's got to make sure she's okay. I mean, in the chain of, of things, when Artemis is gone, she's in charge anyways. Lucas takes, you know, kind of looks after her. Because Miyasha, if you remember, is much taller than Lucas. She's very tall. And she does not like being bossed around. And sometimes she can be a, a, a handful. Uh, but Lucas is the one person that won't take it. <laughs> He's like, I don't care what you think. If I got to lock you in chains, you're going back. I mean, Lucas and her have bonked heads on many... They don't hate each other by any means. They're just very devout in what they do. Lucas is very devout in his job to keep these people safe. And Miyasha knows it's her job to get these people healed. And so sometimes those two things conflict. Nine times out of ten, if Artemis isn't there, Lucas is going to win. If Artemis is there, usually Artemis is going to win. But they march off to go do 
I'm glad we still got. I'm glad we got to that part. We're not going to get to the thing that I thought was slightly Halloween themed, uh, but for fun, I think on next Sunday, which will be the first of November, I'm going to do a bonus Merge World stream. If you guys are okay with that, so I'll be doing three in a row, right? So it'll be this weekend, next Sunday, and then the Sunday after that would be the regular one, anyways. And then I will go to the every two weeks thing. Uh, definitely, it's it's never going to permit because I need to have one Sunday for our members only streams, and I'm going to need a Sunday for uh, like other things that we do, community days and such. So I do I do want to keep it every other Sunday, um, but technically being the first, it's a day after Halloween. It would be kind of fun to touch into the Halloween stuff that they did on Halloween a decade ago, if that's okay. So I think I'm going to do an extra. Merged World stream next Sunday. We'll still have the morning stream like normal, of course, uh, Raft. Uh, but I'm going to do an next one. Yes, Turtle, we hit 9K. Yes, sir. <laughs> but yes, I'm going to do a. Uh, I'm going to do an extra Merged World stream next Sunday. But we still have a little bit more for today, so let's move forward. Mercy's army moves at a hurried pace to reach the location that was uh, scouted by Quan. Looking around at the sea of men still makes her heart swell. Nearly 1,400 strong. Her call went answered by every town in range. She only hoped it was enough. The enemy was approximately 1,000 strong, more than likely well-trained and containing groups, uh, and containing a group of 50 minotaurs. That was the thing I'm not sure if I mentioned. There are 50 minotaurs in that group. There were also undoubtedly clerics among them and possibly mages as well. They don't know that much about Ormond and what Ormond's got. The Serenity outnumbered the Oromanian force. Most of Serenity's army is militia and volunteers. Most of her clerics are inexperienced in battle, and your only mage you have is Edwin, who's half-healed and an apprentice. Still, there is no force as powerful as a man defending his home. Plus, you have Darsh, who at this moment is rolling his eyes at the fifth story about cucumbers in a row. Kelvin rides next to him, telling stories and asking about minotaur plants. Are they all giant size? Do they have horns? Can they grow horns? These are important plant questions for Kelvin. Kelvin being the, the kender. Not far away is Miyasha and Edwin discussing magical applications and the differences between clerical and wizard spells. Again, neither of them have really fought side by side with one of the other. I'm wanting to make sure that what they're doing isn't going to interfere with the other ones. Is my magic spell going to mess up yours? Blah, blah, blah. Do we need to stay close to each other and help each other? Do we need to stay separate? Working that out. They've talked about it before, but Artemis was the one doing that. Miyasha now has to step into that rule. Ulrich rides next to Mercy, attending to as many small matters as possible, only troubling her with major issues that may come up. The rest of her knights were out among the army, leading and directing them. From ahead, a rider moves quickly towards Mercy. She e easily recognizes Quan, who'd been out uh, scouting ahead. At the sight of him, Darsh excuses himself from the Kinder Cleric and moves to Mercy's side. Quan was able to sneak up and get a good look at them. Quan is, again, they're sneaky again. Quan is, uh, other than Dandy, they're almost on par. Uh, was able to get, it's true that there are, in fact, approximately 50 minotaurs on foot. They don't have horses. Uh, mostly, it's an infantry. So most of the people do not have horses. There is a little bit of cavalry, but not much. Those appear to be more of the uh, leaders in such a group. Um, now, at the rate they're going... The other, they don't seem to be in much of a hurry. Um, so Mercy and her force are going to reach the area they've chosen about 
16 to 24 hours before the Armenian force gets there. So they have a little bit of time to set up and prepare themselves, which they're going to need because, again, majority of her people are not qualified. Of that 1,400, maybe four or 500 of them work, or work for her as an actual soldier. Um, he had to sneak around several um, lookouts and such, but he didn't see any elites. But they did have some lookouts. Um, they are flying Ormanian flags. Uh, they're not trying to hide that at all. Uh, so, of course, moving up, they finally get there and they begin setting up their stuff. Where they've chosen, they'll technically be at the top of a hill. Uh, the, the forces, it's a, it's a, it's a valley, um, but the valley is higher on their end. So the, the, the goal is to have them coming up the valley. It's going to give them momentum. It's always good to have the high ground. Sure enough, after they're setting up, several hours later, the force of Ormon can be seen marching towards them. And there's serenity flags. There is a serenity flag. I am going to have to look that up because off the top of my head, I forget what that was. I want to say it's like a griffin facing one way and a horse facing the other. Is Mercy's... I have a drawing of it. I'm going to have to find it. I haven't looked at it in a while. But she has... There is a flag of serenity. Which I, I never got professionally drawn. I need to hire someone to do that as well. I need an actual good serenity flag. Um, but Ormond's there. And they get to a point where on the other side, they just kind of stop. You know how it is. Two armies facing each other from across the area. Um, and after a few moments, a small group of them breaks off, moving towards the center. If you've ever seen Braveheart, <laughs> or many of these type of movies, or games, or stories, you'll know that a lot of times, two groups will come in, parlay, discuss, whatever going on. Uh, Mercy, seeing this, knows what, that that's what this is, and she'd ex hoped for something like this, because maybe this doesn't have to be a bloodbath after all. So she moves in uh, with her. Uh, she, she moves in with Ulrich by her side and Quan, Quan carrying a flag of uh, serenity, because they're, one of their people is a flag bearer as well, and Darsh goes with her as well. They do not take a cleric. Miyasha, at first, Artemis had wanted to go, and they said, no, it's best that they not see how many clerics we have, especially since most of them are healers. They will target you first. And, I'm, and Mercy's like, and I'm keeping you guys as far away from them as possible, because you will be their first target. If we had mages, them too. But the clerics, they're going to come after you first. I need you guys in the back as much as possible, other than the few combat clerics, which they have their own duties. They do go up there, and they... They get there, they get across. They're still like 10 feet apart when they stop. And let's see here. Ba, 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 ba. Here we go. The gentleman who does come up has someone bearing a flag and is flanked on each side with a uh, with an elite. So there's there, all these are on horses, as are Mercy and Darshanim. So everybody's on horses, march up. So there's the bad guy with two elites on his one on each side, and then behind him, a flag bearer. He introduces himself as Commander Wark of the Twelfth. I must say, when I first heard the reports of your force coming towards us, I was quite surprised. I'd not thought you'd have put something this elaborate together so quickly. You do have my sincerest gratitude. You've added a few minutes of amusement to what was going to be a very boring campaign. Now, does that sound like somebody who wants to make a deal?
The young lady played Mercy, spoke at that point. She's like, I don't know why you've come to these lands, but these lands, beyond us, are claimed by the kingdom of Serenity. These are my land and these are my people. I would ask that you turn around. Clearly, this is some kind of mistake. Being a little arrogant. And I would ask that you to turn around and take your force back to your own lands. Oh, but you don't see, these are our lands. We claimed them years ago. After the merge happened, we found these lands were without guidance and leadership. And so we annexed them, if you will, as the kingdom of Oromon continues to grow in both land, power. The gods themselves, the goddess, I'm sorry, the goddess herself looks down and blesses us. These lands are ours, and unfortunately you've come in to take them, and Ormon does not give up its property very easily. And at that point, it's the, the implication, and thankfully the young lady playing Mercy got it, the property was not the land, the property was the people. If you'll remember, they were slavers. They were enslaving them and, and, and murdering them and such of that nature. Um, which Mercy is completely against that stuff. Mercy does not tolerate that thing at all. And so, the commander goes, but I can see you got, you're not smart enough to, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? to concede this battle. And so, we're going to have to destroy the most of you. Know that, at least for a short time, you've put a smile on my face. And they turn around and head on back. The guy clearly knows Mercy's not going to take a stab at his back. They've obviously done some type of recon and know this much about her. She's too noble for that. And they leave first. Which Mercy doesn't think this guy would not stab her in the back, so you make sure she leaves first. And then she returns back to her to her people as well. It was at this time we did our first army battle. Um, we've, the, we've had a couple large battles in the past. You remember when we were Going uh, from Thorman to fight the undead, Mercy and them had a group of people that they had that they were leading, but they were like 20 and 30 people, right? And even when they were fighting in Moonbrook against Ormond's forces a couple years earlier, it was still defending a village against a, a group of 100, 150 people. <clears throat> this is the first large-scale military battle any of these players or characters have had to be involved in. And as such, uh, I have specific notes that I wrote down, like large-scale combat should not take too long or it will get boring. Um, as a DM, I know that. Too much large-scale moving of pieces, you're basically playing Risk at that point. People who want to play their characters and get hands down and evolve stuff don't want to be sitting from on high moving pieces on a board that much. And so I try to keep that to a minimum as possible. One reason why Mercy has her knights, people that she's already given orders to. She can send orders to them if she needs to, but they're leading those. Mercy, being a get-in-there-and-take-care-of-it kind of person, will be standing in the front lines when the battle starts and the last one to leave when the battle ends. So she's going to be busy fighting for life. Darst the same way. Um, so I, I made a point of that. Uh, they did both Darsh, Dandy... Uh, or sorry, Darsh and um, Mercy are on the front lines. And then, of course, eventually after some time of tension I let sitting there, Ormond starts to move. And as they're going, they're walking, and then they're going faster and faster until it's just a charge towards them. Uh, Mercy's people are not charging forward. They're letting them come at them till they're mostly there, and then they make a bit of a move. But they want them to come up, have to be coming up a hill, getting tired, running up that hill as quickly as possible, or as much as possible, before they jump into combat. Hello, Midnight. I'm telling a story.
So as combat's happening, and I'm, 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 I'm letting them do some military combat. Two people are coming at you. What do you want to do? They do their fight. They, everybody takes their turn, so on and so forth. And everybody, of course, on a battlefield ends up partially getting split up. Um, but I'm going to read to you several snippets that happen during battle. So as they would do some stuff, I would pause and say, this is what you see or this is what you hear. As you fight the opposing forces, there are several times when your opponents appear to be inhibited by plants and vines, like they're tripping over them which seem to be snaking around and wrapping their ankles up and tripping them. At one point, you manage to see Kelvin hop over several Oromonian warriors as huge thorny walls surround them. Um, I had mentioned before that Kelvin, the silly little Kender cleric, um, is the third most powerful cleric in that temple, after Miyasha and then Artemis. Dude's no slouch. He, he's a plant guy. He's using thorn whips. He's got thorn hedges, he's having the plants tripping and grabbing and moving under their feet. Um, he was very, very useful in this fight, more so than the healing clerics, uh, because he was able to just mess up and separate uh, troops and such by throwing up thorny walls in the middle, having to hack through those, people having to go around. Um, he was a nightmare for Oromon to deal with. The enemy archers seem to be taking aim at your lines of healers, so their archers have moved close enough that they're now shooting uphill trying to get to the archers, or to the clerics. Um, most are too far back to be in range, but at one point you see Miyasha's tall frame too close to the lines of combat. Your heart drops as you see a well-aimed arrow heading straight for, but at the last second Lucas appears, battling it aside with his shield, and then covering her retreat, nearly pushing her over to get her up the hill. <laughs> get, 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 too close, get, get, get. A few months later. Darsh hears a sizzling pop noise behind him. As he glances back, he hears the noise again as a small bolt of energy knocks down the Oromanian soldier that was about to attack him. As Darsh returns, uh, runs his sword through the falling man, he sees Edwin's already casting a spell. So Edmund's doing what he can, zapping people, helping Darsh stand back, casting spells. And then Mercy is locked in combat with two Oromanian soldiers. As she dispatches the first, she notices that there are more of the enemy in sight than allies. She parries the second soldier's sword and runs her shield, rams her shield into his face. She can feel and hear bones crunching as he falls backwards. Suddenly Ulrich is by her side, assisting in batting away another blade. We're being driven back. Our losses greatly outnumber theirs. Our men are being slaughtered. Looking around in the, in the brief respite that they have, what he says is true. Oromon is going up the hill and the more bodies are hitting the ground from her side than from theirs. Um, hundreds are already dead. This is to Mercy. Your men are falling quickly, and it's obvious the well-trained Oromanian military is too much for the militia. You can see that, Mercy, uh, that your trained soldiers have fared better than the volunteers. So the trained soldiers are doing pretty well. There's just so many basically untrained people. As you attempt to hold the lines, the Oromanian army slowly begins to flank you. There is no way you are going to be able to stand against them. And Mercy gets that at this point. Like, they're, they're starting to come around us. They're flanking us, and now we're having to protect on both sides. And of course, I step in. Mercy starts trying to yell for a retreat. That's what the young lady did. Try to pull back, gather forces together, surround the clerics. That's her big thing right now. Let's get around the clerics and keep them in the middle as best we can. Um, and then suddenly... About that time, a huge ball of fire flies through the air, and it comes down nearly in the center of the Oromanian forces. You hear the sounds of men scream as the flames burst around them. 
Mercy turns to the rear of her forces and looks up, trying to find the source. Because remember, she's looking up a hill. A lightning bolt crackles over your head, striking more soldiers. It's then that she's able to see the hippogriffs. Three have already landed, with two more close behind them. The three on the ground each have a rider. A second rider has already dismounted, uh, and the other ones are landing and dismounting as well. And all have already began unleashing deadly spells upon the Oromanian enemy. In the center, her red robes flaring in the wind, stands a female mage. Even from this distance, you can tell it's Lumia. You recognize her robes and the patterns. Lady Lamia, one of the head mages of Paxwell. Uh, from this instance, you can, you can recognize uh, the clothing of Lamia, and you can already feel her anger. Once all five have landed, the five mages just walk forward, unleashing some of the most powerful magic that anybody in this, this area has ever seen. Revitalized by literally these affecting, Mercy then seeing the Aramanian hesitating. They're like, we weren't expecting that. This is out of nowhere. Mercy takes advantage of that and screams to once again attack. And Mercy's forces then come down the hill and again crash in. And, you know, because it was still fighting, but now it's a bigger clash and it's going in again. Fighting their way in eventually, as more people are screaming, Mercy gets lost in the enemy and she's fighting. And then suddenly she finds herself in a bit of a clearing. Soldiers have pulled away from her and she looks around and standing across from her is... Uh, did I say Commander or General? Commander Warwick. His large two-handed sword in his hand. You can tell that he's angry. This wasn't supposed to be like this. He's already lost way more people than he should have to these farmers and upstarts. And this young woman in front of him, barely coming up to his shoulders, is the one causing him these troubles. So Mercy had a one-on-one -on -one fight with Warwick. Now... Uh, the battle went really, really well uh, for Warwick at first. Um, Mercy had already taken a chunk of damage from just the regular combat, where Warwick had stayed out of combat, because, you know, he's a general, why would he? Commander. But he's now stepped in a little bit afresh, and he was no slouch. He had some skills, um, and was able to uh, fight them. And, and then again, with as he's fighting them, the two elites then appear and started coming in as well. And it's about to be Mercy against him and the two elites. And at that point, she knows she's in trouble. But at that same moment, because they were standing back letting Mercy do her thing, Quan and Ulrich don't think so. And Quan and Ulrich then pop up and each of them take an elite. So it basically becomes a three-on-three -three fight at that point. Quan uh, and Ulrich, again, the most trained uh, in actual combat. Ulrich and Quan both being involved in large battles. They're probably people who have experience. Uruk was a young squire, but he's been in large battles. Uh, and Quan, no one knows his true history, but he served a lord uh, in a pretty high rank. He's probably been in some battles. Um, they're able to dispatch of the elites while Mercy is wailing on Warwick. Uh, and finally, Warwick starts to take a beating. And he, his sword goes flying from his hands. And he reaches and he pulls out a long dagger. But at that moment, several of his men grab him and start pulling him back. And he's looking around, why? And he can see that his men are retreating. The spells that are still being unlashed, up, unleashed from those wizards are more than the clerics they have. And Oromon has no wizards. This is the first time that they've really done anything with Oromon. And while there are multiple clerics casting spells, there are absolutely no mages as part of their forces. 
That's important. It was something I made quite apparent to the characters, so they remembered that. As he's being pulled back in, he screams uh, that he'll he'll see her again, kind of thing. Like another, in my mind, I kind of pictured it, the Kurgan being dr- pulled away in the first Highlander. Like another time, Highlander is more of a. It's like I'll be back or whatever. I didn't want to be Arnold, but but it was something of a change of that nature. It's like this. It's like I'll be back. I'll see you again, kind of thing. And then Mercy, having a moment to catch her breath, sees the Ormian forces turning. She starts sending out things to basically, if they're literally fleeing, to let them go. She doesn't want to waste any more of her people's lives than she has to. And she sends that out, and Ulrich and Quan starts putting that out there as well. And while there's still some battle, people are allowing Ormond to disengage, and Ormond's forces start leaving. Ormond, which at first was doing way better, um, was decimated by the wizards. Their recons showed that there were no wizards in uh, uh, Serenity, and they were correct. There weren't at that time. So, Lamia, being the second most powerful mage in Paxawal, because she is, but she's not the highest, they've never really talked to, they talked to one time, the actual head mage. Lamia's dealt with him ever since then. He's, he's got too busy things to mess with her. Uh, and he's a cleric, he's a, he's a mage of good. She's more of a, she's more of a chaotic, neutral kind of person. She's that step from going to evil herself, but uh, she does not tolerate things. As Mercy looks at the battlefield around her, it's easy to see the Oromanian forces retreating. What at first looked like was going to be a slaughter had become a victory, thanks to Lamia and the mages. Takes a bit of time, and, and, and they're going, and she can see Ormon leaving, and they're not stopping. They didn't stop for any of their injured or dead. They just left. Lamia, they can see Lamia approaching, and Mercy's talking to her, and she turns to say to thank Lamia and stops short of herself. dumbfounded as Lamia who appears to be about 18 or 19 years old storms up to her looking furious. Anybody know why that's wrong? When last they saw Lamia she was in her late 60s early 70s She's been around a long time. That's why she's so powerful. But the young woman walking up front could be her daughter or granddaughter at this point. But when she speaks, she speaks with the same voice and the same firmness of convictions as she walks up to Mercy, looks her square in the eye, and says, Bring me prisoners. Bring me clerics, especially. And then turns and walks off and walks it towards one of the tents that was set up. So, of the 1,400 people they brought, seven, or no, 912 were survived. So they lost, oh no, sorry, 712. I was right the first time. They lost almost half the people they brought with them. Um, of that 712, um, 60% were her trained people that survived. Um, of that, 447 of them have some kind of injury. Uh, most of the enemy is slain. There were several survivors laying on the battlefield, uh, including two priests. Uh, Lamia has them brought to her. She just starts telling soldiers what to do, and they're like, well, we don't know what we're... Well, these are volunteers, right? This powerful maid showed up and saved your bacon. She goes, bring me that, dude. You, you do that, right? Mercy's not in that area to tell him not to. 
Shunorman's people are out of sight. The survivors are gone, are marching as far out of sight as they can. And then I read this. Yes, I know, Kitty. It's very exciting. Already the scavenger birds fill the air. The battlefield itself is also full of movement, as people search for survivors and loot the dead. The weapons and equipment of the Oromanians is excellent quality, and anything salvageable is being taken. Lamia and the mages are all inside the large tent, along with the captured clerics and Edwin. Thankfully, the screams had finally stopped. Quan who had been relatively following to make sure no one was doubling back, verifies that Ormon is, is definitely heading back They're, to Ormon. They're not... No one's looping back, getting more forces or any of that. They're on a, a straight, straight path back. Um, none of Ormon's Minotaurs survived. Because even as it was pulling out, the Minotaurs did a large swath of the damage. Remember, there was a bunch of them. Darsh fought several of those himself. I specifically put Minotaur v. Minotaur. Because they're going to see, ah, finally, someone on the battlefield to Minotaur... This is real combat, and they're only going to, even though they'll slaughter humans as a group against another Minotaur, normally they would fight one at a time. But these are Minotaur of the Black Horn. They're not as, uh, as honorable. And so Darsh found himself fighting side by side with uh, both Lars and Wade at one point uh, against the Minotaurs. Um, but the Minotaurs all died. None of them were, were going to flee, and none of them were going to be taken alive. So of the 50 Minotaurs, none of them survived. Uh, one of them. One of the Minotaurs was a cleric, it appeared, but they can't find any symbol on him proclaiming exactly which god, which is odd. So after a little while, Lamia exits the temp, her, uh, temp, uh, tent. Her red robe's a little redder than normal. Walk up to Mercy, she says, I need to speak with you in private. She, she points towards Darsh as well. And Mercy understands and starts walking off with him said that she received the letter from uh, Edwin. Remember, Zack was going back to warm Paxawal. Zack goes very fast. He's a dragon. And he sent a letter back as well. Uh, Teresa says, understand this much better now. I'm up to episode 14. Great. Oh, well, excellent, Teresa. <laughs> I'm glad it's making sense for you. <laughs> um, but uh, where's it here? Uh, where's her letter? Oh, here it is. Um, so she received Edwin's letter, and she came as soon as possible. As soon as she found that the mages, especially Tobias, had what had happened, uh, she came in. War has erupted around the southern kingdoms. Ormon has, in fact, attacked Thorman, and, Minot and uh, the Kronayar, which is the Minotaur kingdom, is in full civil war. Um, Paxiwal is also involved in a sea battle, uh, trying to protect their borders as well. Uh, and, I mean, in a way that they're trying to send men to Thorman to help. Um, Arduel is also sending men. That's King Christopher. And remember, they're east, so they have to go all the way past... I'm oh, sorry. East have to go all the way past Paxiwal to then get to Thorman. Um, but Arduel is sending troops assisting as well. Um, Firemoon is sending forces down, but they're all coming by land. Uh, there is Realm, but he doesn't have a Realm Gate key. He is, there's a Realm Gate near him, but he doesn't have a key. So they're having to come down. He did send... Uh, several of his ahead of time telling him this with the hippogriffs. That's how they got the hippogriffs. Um, she's spoken with Edwin. She knows all about his capture and says that she and the other mages will um, come back to serenity with her because there's some important things that she will need to speak with him about as soon as possible. She says, I understand that you're going to have, you have injured and you have people. 
know, she's being not she's not being a horrible person. She's just I understand you have things that you have to deal with. Once we return to serenity as soon as possible, um, I need to sit down with you two uh, in private. There are things that we need to discuss. And looking at this young woman in front of them, they got some questions too because they were about to ask when I said we're going to have some things to talk about. Mercy's like, okay, I'm not going to bring it up yet. I'll wait till we get back. Because it's true. She got injured. She got what? She's leading them. She's got stuff to do. So most of the people are still there for a full day. Healing. Again, making sure nobody comes back. Gathering the dead. There's wagons they brought specifically for that. They're not going to leave loved ones behind. Um, they stripped the Oromanians of their armor. Even the lowest rank one have armor that's better than almost anything Serenity have. Um, while they're not going to really march around in Oromon armor... They may find other uses for it, but the weapons especially, they're going to take. Um, elites always carry two long swords plus one. That's four long sword plus ones, and they have Warwick's two-handed sword, which I'm not going to lie to you, it was a pretty powerful sword that Darsh took, because Darsh one-hands two-handed swords. I want to say it was better than any sword he had. It's like a plus three or plus four. Um, let's see. Takes a lot. Excuse me. I need to admit, <laughs> it takes a lot longer for them to get back to Serenity than it did to get to the field. Because now they got injured people, pulling wagons of the dead, going slower. Um, as they pass a couple of the villages, people from those villages have peeled off to go to their homes. The ones that live past Serenity, some stay and rest up a day or two. Some of them just want to get home and carry on. But as they get back to Serenity, the army army uh, dissipates leaving just the people that live in Serenity, which are mostly um, her military, the people she's hired, and the businesses, and the people building the castle. Mercy did not take anybody who was working on the castle. I forgot to mention that. She sends them back through the portal. Ulrich, all of the workmen and such, she's like, you guys aren't trained, you don't have weapons, all this kind of stuff. And while some of them might have been willing to fight, they work for Paxwell. She can't just take Paxwell's people and do that. So Uruk took them to the gate, put them through, and they were just going to basically stay there for a period of time. If the gate wasn't reopened, they would go back to Paxable. Um, so there's a lot less people here. No one's working on anything right now. Um, let me see. Got that here. Mm -hmm. Okay. After they get back, a full day goes through of this and that. The Mercy and her knights are very, very busy getting everything back up and going. Immediately, there's talks among her knights. We're going to need some type of defense that direction. Uh, some type of tower, something like a beacon, whatever. Something we can put out there that can watch for these type of things. Because that we have an enemy on our border. We need to make sure we've got something to look into that. And that's something that over time... Um, on their border, Mercy has has does go ahead and start to build uh, like defensive towers. There's no real gates or anything. They're not building a wall, but there are towers at different what they consider their border, which allows them to see from distant a distance. Also gives them a very defensible position. All of them are built to handle a siege. So and over time, the goal is to give them access to something magical that you know I, it wasn't as much Lord of the Rings like the beacon fires, but something that they could do to alert if needed be. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in the future. So Lamia and Edwin eventually are in a room. The other mages have already are helping out where they can. But Lamia and her room and Marce, uh, Mercy and Darsh are able to come in there. 
Uh, Ulrich comes as well, even though Lemieux was not real happy about that. Mercy's like, no, nah, I'm bringing my right-hand dude. He's, he's going to hear whatever this is as well. You're bringing Edwin. I'm bringing Micah. <laughs> so when they get in there, she says that, let me see here. First of all, I need to begin by telling you Tobias is alive. That's what she says. That wasn't me. That was her. I know he's still out there. I can feel it. He's not dead yet. I would know if he was. Which means he's a prisoner in Ormond. They have something, and I don't know what it is, that inhibits our magic. Something that lets them know whenever we port in or or travel, even just traveling across their border, somehow they have a way of knowing when our type of magic, not clerics, but mage magic, is within the range of their borders. Tobias was not the first group of mages that have tried to go in there, although he was in what was one of the more powerful groups, and all the same. Edwin is the first one to return. I didn't want him to go, but he was determined. She says, I need you to go in and get him. I can't. Just myself, the amount of magic I have, just crossing the border, they're going to know I'm there. I can't get in there. But he's, he goes, but he's your friend, as well as very important to me. I want you to go in and get him. Mercy didn't play around. Lamia is the type of person just lays it on the line. Mercy knows that. And Mercy goes, he seems a lot more important to you than the average mage. And you want to tell us why that is? And he's pointing at your points at, at her face. Lamia gets a little irritated that she's so blatantly asked, then comes down and says, <clears throat> A while back, I advised you that we were taking a voyage of a type. We put together a spell to try to find access to a place <clears throat> to not only answer questions about the poison that was inflicting the clerics, but potentially several other major issues we're having as well, such as Pandora's box going missing. We needed to find access to that. And the only way we could do that, that we could figure out to potentially, yes, I know me now, was to enter the sands. But of course, they had to ask what the sands is. The sands of time, the realm of the goddess of time. I believe it's Kia. Let me give the exact name. So I don't want to tell you wrong. Outside of time itself is the realm of Kiera, goddess of time. Known as the sands, a place outside of time itself. Time moves differently there. Normally, only her very high-powered clerics, when they die, would be allowed to enter that type of thing. It's not a place you can just get into. <laughs> you can hear my kitty. Midnight's just laying on the desk next to me wanting cuddles. Um, but we had put a spell together that we believed we could get in there because inside the sands is limitless knowledge. And with knowledge comes power. The answer to nearly every question. I can't go into it completely, but... One of the things that we feared came true. We were able to get in, but we weren't able to get out. 
it was very difficult to find the way out. And I need to explain to you how difficult it is. You can see she's very serious. We were in the sands 134 years, approximately, is our count, before we finally were able to find our way out. And as time moves differently, it affects people differently. And we would age, and we would get younger, and our physical bodies would change. But mentally, we continued to keep everything about us. But our bodies would sometimes change. And there was times where I was old, and sometimes I was like this. And in that time, we saw no other person. It was just Tobias and I in there, researching through the sands, getting access to the Library of Time, and trying to find a way out, which we eventually succeeded. And when we left, I was this way. He had aged a little, but nothing much. Although, mentally, we were both much, much older than we were when we went in. And during that time, left to just the two of us, we grew very close. So give me the side eye like that. It's the, uh, the, the subtle implication thing. You see that right there? When I do that, that means I'm implying something without saying it. I just want you to be aware of that. For those of you who are listening, I'm tilting my head and raising one eyebrow so that it looks like I'm implying something. So, Tobias is dear to me, and I must have him saved. And I know that he's your friend as well, and... To be honest, you are the only people I know of that may have a chance of getting in there and getting him back. So this is what she says. I can cast a spell on you. I believe that this spell... It's two spells. I believe I found a spell that will hide you from being sensed. You will not be able to take anything magical with you. Not your magic rings, not any of your weapons, nothing. Anything magical you take will be found. The spell I'm going to cast on you, since you have no internal magic, you're not spellcasters, and again, he's talking to Darsh and Mercy, neither one of them has any spellcasting ability. You too, the spell should cloak you, both magically and physically. I will have to change the way you look. Basically, she's going to jump in and cast a spell that is going to polymorph Darsh into a male human and Mercy into a male human. And Mercy says, why that? She goes, well, first of all, Mentor walking through, very you're going to notice that. But number two, in Oromon, we know women have no status. Women are basically slaves in their own homes. They have no value, and you walking in as you would be a giant red flag. So I will have to polymorph you both into male humans. You now have access to multiple armor and weapons of an Ormanian soldier. You will have to cross their borders. I can get you to their border, but once you're there, you'll have to cross into the border and make your way in there. I can only assume that he's being held in their capital, which is the main city of Ormond. 
You'll have to make your way in there, find him, and get him back out again. And not only can you not use any magic there, you can't tell anyone that you're going, or where you're going, or what's going on. We can't take the chance that somehow somebody finds out. Mercy and Darsh understand the logic of what she says. But they ask, are you sure this spell's going to hide us? She goes, I, I have no reason to believe it will not. It's a spell that we found recently. Um, it's not something that would have worked on Tobias as a spellcaster. He's going to radiate magic normally anyways. Um, but someone such as yourself, it should work perfectly fine. It's a spell that we found in the sands. A uh, spell that you know, I believe is more powerful than whatever they have that's, that's hiding it. Ulrich is like, I don't think so. There's no way we can just send these two in by themselves. Number one, how do we explain, hey, the head of this entire kingdom who just led us an army just disappeared with her buddy. Number two, the two of them walking in there alone with however many hundreds, if not thousands upon thousands of Ormanians, yeah, that's too big of a risk. I mean, I understand Tobias' friend. I want to help him too. But it's not going to help if we're just sacrificing two more of our allies. So there's a debate, and they had a conversation. And I was playing Lamia, and I was playing Ulrich, and I was arguing against myself so I could say the pros and cons from each point of view. And after thinking about it, both Darsh and Mercy decided that they were going to go. But Ulrich insisted that he go as well. And Mercy said no. And Ulrich, you are my most trusted advisor and my friend. I am putting serenity into your hands while I'm gone. While I'm gone, you will basically run this place in my stead. If more soldiers come to attack, you have to lead the army against them. I trust you. You have to be here where I need you to do your best work. He's not happy about that, but again, he's being told by his lord a specific thing. He goes, then take Quan. Quan is also trusted, and where you're going, you're sneaking in. He's, he's, that's what he does. He could be a great asset to you. At least I know you'd have someone in there. Besides Darsh, have someone else in there watching your backs. I know you guys are capable, but someone else watching your back. Lumia goes, I, I could cast a spell on three of you. That, that would be doable. But again, can't take any magic or we're just wasting our time. A little bit more discussion and decide. They're going to ask him. They're not going to tell him he has to, but they'll ask him if he wants to go. And if he accepts... The three of them would leave relatively immediately on a secret mission. No one would know. Uh, Lamia would teleport them outside of the keep, close to Ormond's uh, um, border, where they'd have to travel the rest of the way on foot. They'll also have to make arrangements for some basic supplies and to find armor and such that's going to fit them in their new forms. They put the plan into action. It takes about a day. Um... They do tell Lucas what's going on, and Miasha, that is the uh, two people that they do want to make sure that they know, and they tell the rest of Mercy's knights, because she trusts them. This is what's going on. They all want to come along. And she's like, no, I need you here. We just fought a war, and I don't know if it's the last one. You've got to, We have thousands of lives around us that it falls upon us to protect. We've sworn to do that, and that has to be the priority. I'm going to help someone else that's helped us in that many, many times. Tobias has helped us against these forces, and he is our friend. 
but I cannot take all of you. I need you here protecting Serenity and the people around it. None of them are happy about it, but they accept it. Yes, Midnight, none of them are happy about it. They don't like it at all. <laughs> you're walking on the book, dude. I can't read. I'm at the epic point and I can't read because you're stretching on the book. You silly goof. So they put the plan into action. They find gear that'll work. Quan, they're just basically changing him so he doesn't look Asian. Uh, mostly because that's not in Ormond. It would stand out as well. Mercy and Darsh, they both have got some challenges ahead of them. Darsh has never been a human. Everything gets bigger. Because even though Darsh is a really big human, he's still not a huge minotaur. And uh, he doesn't have uh, his horns anymore. Weapons seem bigger to him. Things are colder. There's a lot less hair in his life. You just... Hang on. The kitty just plopped down on the book and the keyboard. Buddy, you can't do that. Mm. Here you go. I got you. Uh, he's literally just plopped down on the keyboard. So if anything popped up weird, it's his fault. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Um, but... Mercy has the biggest change. I'm sure some of you can imagine. Mercy's got some physical parts she didn't have before, and some physical parts are gone. This is a very strange day for her. She takes part of that day. They cast the, the spell to change them before they teleport out. So they can make sure the right gear is fitting them and such. Um, and they take that gear, and they take Ormanian weapons. None of the magical weapons. It's regular weapons from the field. Because they know which ones are the magical weapons. Lamia and Edwin can cast detect magic and find out which ones are magical. They, they know that. Um, so she wishes them well. She has to, Mercy has to leave her ring that teleports her Morningstar to her hand. They have to leave their teleport rings that would let them just teleport back to Paxawall. None of their magical weapons. None of their magical gear. None of it. They are walking in almost the same way they were the day they woke up from being dead. Except they've actually got a couple weapons and armor. Thank you very much, Demon Eyes, for the follow. I appreciate you subscribing. Thank you for coming by. So, Lamia casts that teleport spell. She goes through with them. She's standing at the edge. She's like, I can't go any further. Uh, from what, I've, what we've learned, this is as far as I can go. Any Beyond this, they'll be able to sense me as well. I wish you luck. And I wish you a speedy journey. If there's anything we can do to help there's anything you, you know, you can get a message out to us, please do. But at this point, uh, the only people I'm going to tell that this is going on is the head mage at the mage thing and your friend, the three clerics. I'm going to tell them. But no one else will know that you're in there. So I'll be honest, there's not really anybody that's going to be able to come in and help you. No, there's no rescue mission for you. There isn't anyone else we can send. If you fail, that's it. Mercy and Darsh understand. They accept those chances. And, and Quan too, because all three of them are there. And looking at each other, and then looking at Lumia, they nod goodbye. And the three of them turn west, southwest, technically, and begin their long trek into Oramon, the home of their enemies. And that's where we're going to stop for today. Run at two hours and 40 minutes. Right about the right time. Um, let's do a quick roundup. Artemis is gone. 
disappeared with someone we haven't seen in a while. Michael's able to sense him, and he and Danny are chasing after them. Half the party went east. Mercy and Darsh and their allies successfully survived a battle, thanks to their mage friends from Paxiwal. And now, they're having to sneak in, polymorphed as three human dudes, to try to find their missing friend Tobias, a wizard. Just Billy123, I just joined. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to have you. <laughs> one group heading east, one group heading west. Farther away each other and both towards danger. And this was the first real time that I ever split them up for adventuring purposes. Ever since back when I had split the big group of eight to four, this is the first time they've had to go off and do really their own things in story. Um, and it was kind of fun. And... A lot of really big things that affect these characters, their lives, and the kingdom of Serenity and Darstopia, which again, if you remember, that's why I call Darsh's Islands. It's not what they're called. I just like to call them Darstopia. The entire southern kingdoms is going to be changed by what happens in these two separate adventures. They're on very different paths, but both of them very cool, and I look forward to telling you about those. Um, next Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, um, we're going to be doing an extra Merged World stream. Uh, I normally do it every other Sunday, uh, for those of you who may not have been here previously. Uh, but I'm going to do one extra one next Sunday because the part of the next story uh, happened on Halloween almost a decade ago. And I always try to make it a little Halloween themed around the holidays, so I think it'll be fun to... It'll only take part of the story night, but um, I'm going to bring uh, some of the Halloween funness into next Sunday. So we'll have three Merged Worlds weekends in a row, and then we'll get back to the every other weekend. So, um, that's awesome. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed today's story. Uh, hopefully you like the path I'm setting upon. The first stuff with Santriel and stuff was kind of a warm-up to get everybody back in the groove. Uh, and now they're into the big sauce. So, I'm excited to get more into it, because as I mentioned, some of this stuff gets pretty important down the road. And it's fun to, at points where, there's going to be days where I only tell the story of one, and then next time I may tell the story of the other. Sometimes you may see a bit of both. Um, I did it in chunks like that, so that'd be pretty cool. Uh, Mystique says, Night everyone, I'm going to say now because I'm falling asleep. See you tomorrow on Discord. Night Draven, tell Lady Draven hi for me. I will definitely do so. Now, quick reminder, I will not be streaming tomorrow because I have a surgery at 7 a.m. in the morning. Um, I will Hopefully be back streaming Tuesday, if not Wednesday for sure. But I should know by tomorrow night if I feel well enough to stream for Tuesday. So I'm going to do my best to get back in there and we'll get back to some Sky Factory. But thank you all for coming by today. Uh, appreciate that. Thank you to all of my members, especially my new ones who just joined up today. Kick ass. I appreciate you being part of that program. Again, you being a part of that program lets me do all this stuff and uh, helps get the channel bigger and bigger to the point that hopefully I can do this for you guys all the time. Uh, an extra special thank you, of course, to my moderators, as always, for helping me keep this whole mess working. Uh, thank you for the donations, for the subscribing, and for the new members. I appreciate all of you for just coming and listening to me today. Click like if you enjoyed it. Hit subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, and then visit my website, OnlyDraven.com, for a link to our Discord channel, all my social medias, uh, more information about the membership program, links to my videos, Pictures of some of the Merged Worlds characters, the actors that I use to represent them. Some of you new may want to go back and see that, but a whole bunch of fun stuff as well. well we're going to call that one a day again. Thank you all for coming. 
Love you all bunches, and I will chat you all very, very soon. You guys have yourself a great day.